here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Do I have everybody's attention now? Just thinking about this match, and I'm standing and pacing in my bed. He's just Mikazi now. He's not okay, so so Mikazi. He's not a kid anymore. He's, he's, he's a, a boy. He's a man. He's a man. Man Mikazi. Are you ready? He got PWS superstar by him. In go Bernalis. In or Nobles. In go Nobles. You're missing a B there, but that's There's a B? This is what I'm talking about. These letters don't go together. Oh, you're having a wank, are you? And it's like, no! You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. Give me a I want to. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Podcast, sponsored this week by MacWeldon.com. I'm Rich Cranch, alongside, as always, the King of Banter himself, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how are you? Well, I think I just freaked you out. because Yeah, it was a weird, I mean... I. Yeah, it was it was a, it was an interesting way to start our little uh, pre-show conversation, but that, that's okay. Hey, um, yeah, I yeah, I'm a little weird. Yeah, I don't know. My my microphone. I'm not sure if I can go on. Yeah, I just I just don't know. I just I'm, I have a lot of questions. That's that's the only thing. <laughs> well, yeah. I have to I have to. You're not gonna like where this goes. Okay, so okay, so let's catch people up. Uh, you made the Skype call. Mm-hmm. And I I I I wasn't there for a minute, so I my microphone got all knocked loose because I was taking off my pants. <laughs> and uh, I explained to you, I was like, I'm sorry, I was taking off my pants, and that really threw you off. Um, but I have to break it to you. I, I normally record this show pantsless. <laughs> That's really bizarre. Like, what, like are we, what, what are we talking What's underneath? 
And, you know, is it Mack Weldon underwear underneath? What's on it? <laughs> it? It indeed is Mack Weldon underwear. And this, I swear to God, this isn't the ad. And <laughs> this wasn't planned. Um, <laughs> no, I listen. I, I was on my way home, as you know, ready to yeah. do the show. And uh, I had to run to the store, like I told you before, when you were texting and driving and nearly killing yourself. And uh, so I got home. I'm ready to do the show. But here's the thing, Rich. I'm one of those guys. Give me the lecture. Don't give me the lecture, mom. All listen, right. Chill out. Listen, I wanna, I'm trying to keep you safe. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I'm trying to keep you safe. But, uh, you know, I'm one of those guys where as soon as I walk in the door, the pants are off. <laughs> All right, the pants. So every stereotype that you could possibly have, you definitely fit right into. That's uh, <laughs> the pants are off as soon as I walk. Like in. the 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 1950s dad that just you know, as long as if you got a can of beer, like I know you don't drink, uh, but I'm sure you get like a. Do you get like the? Do you immediately go to the fridge and grab like a can of your? Uh, your Coke Zero or your Diet Dr Pepper or whatever. As a matter of fact, I just cracked open a fresh Coke okay, Zero. Okay, so you are every, and then if you had a lady, you would tell her to make you Salisbury steak or something. But I actually, I watched my ex girlfriend's dog today, and right before we started, she brought me dinner. So I, I <laughs> so actually, yes, okay. I had a okay. I had a woman bring me dinner. It was a uh, it was a uh, a, a uh, buffalo burger with uh, buffalo sauce and blue cheese. Okay, I'm into that. Uh, so she brought. I had a woman bring me dinner. The pants came right off as soon as I walked <laughs> in the house. Cracked open a cold one, and, and cracked I open cracked a cold. open a cold one. And I have the game on. Okay, I got the game on <laughs> too. Game on, yeah. So the game is on. You in a recliner, like your recliner. It's only yours. Like everybody else, nobody else can sit on it. Just you. Let me tell you, I would be on my own personal recliner if I owned one. But the same ex girlfriend who brought me dinner for watching her dog and her turtles today. She when she <laughs> when she lived here, she said no to the recliner because she knew what that would lead to. So when we were together and she lived here, she would not allow me to buy a recliner. So there, that's probably a smart idea. Yeah, I, I'm with her. <laughs> I'm, I'm on her side there. So there's no <laughs> recliner in the house yet. But let me tell you, Craig, I've been seriously considering a recliner, even if it doesn't match the rest of the, you know, the furniture that I got going on, I, I've, I've planned out a spot, and I'm probably going to stick a recliner somewhere in this room. So that that would be the fifth thing that you need, right? I got the meal from the woman, right? I got the pants off. Uh, oh no, sorry. So do you have the the um? Wh- what shirt are you wearing underneath? Are you wearing you know the I, I I you can't call it a wife beater, you can't call it a dago tee. You know the the athletic shirt, I think, is the correct actual term you for it. You just called it both, but well, I'm just saying because everybody knows when I say when I say those two things, everybody knows what I mean. But if you said if I said an athletic sleeveless undershirt, someone's gonna be like, "What the hell are you talking?" You know what I mean? Like it sucks that, that sure, those are the two synonymous words with it. But I'm, it's true. I mean, it is. You knew exactly <laughs> you what I was saying. I give you. I tell you what. You of course I did, and so did every listener. <laughs> right. That's what I mean. Like it sucks that like those are the two words that are most synonymous with that shirt. But yeah, I don't know what else. There's to call a third it, so. one. You could call it a guinea tea, but that also. I've never heard. Well, of that. that's offensive because it's a slur towards Italians. <laughs> you, call Italian, See? you know, but as an Italian man, I don't mind if you call it a guinea tea. That doesn't bother me at all. Okay. So let's go with guinea tea. Okay. But no, I do not ever wear those. All right. So oh, I, I can't. Right. I I don't. Feel, I can't lie. I would love to lie and tell you that's what I'm rocking here. Like a little stain of mustard on it, like just a little, not much. Just kind of. No, a it had to be marinara stick. sauce. <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. Well, I forget you're a man of your ilk. Yes, it would be marinara or in sauce. In this case, buffalo gravy, sauce. Gravy, gravy, I should buffalo say. Buffalo sauce today. but or, or And I'd have to have the gold chain with the Italian horn. <laughs> right, because you you, you're a man of chest hair, correct? I am a man of chest hair. I am a, I am well. I am a very manly man, and uh, I would have to have the gold chain with the Italian horn tangled in the chest hair <laughs> to totally complete the look. And I will have not have you know shaved my face for like four days, which actually right, is exactly. the case. 
So, um, so yeah, anyway, I normally record this with no pants. <laughs> now you know. You wouldn't have never well, known. But we had that little snafu, and then I don't even know why I said that. I said, I'm sorry. I was taking off my pants. <laughs> so, I don't know why you said it, but, um, you know, hey, if, if, if it's MacWall and underwear, I don't care. And I'm sure they don't care either because, you know, they're, of course, they're, as I said at the top, sponsoring this show here. Of course, they're giving us the same coupon code that we had a few weekends ago. So um, MacWalden.com, you go there, use our coupon code VOW, you get 20% off. As we mentioned at the top of the show, you have your $40 hoodie, which I assume you uh, were wearing before. Excuse me. But now we're not because, of course, it's an, it's you know, an $80 hoodie. And I, 80, oh, I apologize. Yeah, I apologize. I'll tell you, I wore my Mac Weldon hoodie on a date last week. Ooh, okay. Because it tell, because tell. It, it it did it does say on the website that Mac Weldon wear is good for dating was one of the things they specified. So I tried it out and I went on a date in my Mac Weldon hoodie. I was not only complimented on the uh, on the tremendous fabric that they use, but the date went very well, my friend. Ooh, okay. So Mac Weldon putting uh, putting people together, doing things here. So yeah, of course, uh, I, I am also I'm wearing my Mac Weldon underwear. Unfortunately, I'm wearing basketball shorts over it. Uh, so I don't. I hope you're not disappointed by that. Joe, I do the basketball shorts thing over the just straight up no pants, which is it's really not much different, to be honest. But, you know, there's there's something. But anyway, yeah, uh, I, I'm enjoying my Mac Weldon underwear. You're enjoying your Mac Weldon hoodie. We've had people talk to us, say they enjoy their stuff. It's a little pricey. As you said, Joe, you said your thing's $80. The underwear is a little pricey. But, you know, you pay for good underwear. You pay for good hoodies. You pay for good fabrics. It's 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 OK. But, hey, you get that coupon code MacWeldon.com. Use the coupon code VOW. You get 20% off. So that'll lessen the little burden there. But hey, I'll be honest. Like, I would not have told you that I would bought $30 underwear before they sent me them and, and said, hey, try these out and see what you like. I would not have bought them. I, I just flat out would say $30 for underwear. But uh, I won't lie. I made an order last week because it's like, well, you know, <laughs> like you, you, you don't really realize until you wear decent underwear how awful your previous underwear was. I don't know if you go into that too, but I, I've noticed it. Monu- like monumental difference of like wow it's so much more different when you not when you don't wear like the underwear you got for like five for ten bucks or whatever and I was like ooh it's sweet like the most underwear possible with the cheapest price how could this go wrong and it, it went wrong so uh, macwell.com you get 20% off with coupon code VOW it doesn't have to be underwear either you can also get uh, hoodies socks shirts undershirts sweatpants all that other good stuff Joe why don't you get sweatpants why don't you get some macwell sweat you, you, I, I'm not going to change you. I'm sorry. I, pl- I, I plan on it, Rich. I plan on getting a nice pair of Mac Weldon sweats. Well, I was going to say to wear during the show, but I don't want to change you. So you know what? You do you. Like for, for after the show when you go grocery shopping. In this case, you already went grocery shopping. But, it, you know, in that case, like I feel like the Mac Weldon hoodie and a nice haircut in a grocery shop, you're good to go, right? I would be more than good to go. And I'll tell you, when I do buy those sweats, I'm going to use the code VOW, Rich, and get 20% <laughs> off. The code is VOW. Yes, perfect. So we have uh, plenty to talk about today as well in the world of wrestling. Uh, you and I had no pre-show prep, so uh, I think we know what we're going to talk about. There might be some sleepers in here. Uh, we probably should have talked about that before, but hey, that's fine. We got, of course, the best of the Super Junior Finals that happened. Uh, today we're recording this on a Tuesday night just because of scheduling stuff. So if you're wondering, hey, this is early, that is why. Uh, a little bit of a preview of New Japan Dominion. We have some of the cards, some of the matches ready to go, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And then the big thing. The main event, of course, our preview of T- uh, th- th- this weekend's this weekend's TNA Slammiversary. Joe, I've watched the last three impacts because of you. 
You made me do that last yesterday. Everybody was watching Raw. Everybody was having fun, and I was watching Impact. So, well, we well I, we, we happy, weren't so. we weren't having too much fun watching Raw. So. I heard everybody was like, "Ah, you might actually be better." Like I saw on Twitter, they're like, eh, "You know, like you might have actually made the better choice." You know, watch binge watching old episodes of Impact because they they actually weren't awful. So, um, it, it'll be an interesting uh, discussion there. Uh, maybe a little bit of else along the way. But Joe, do you want to start out with the uh, best of the Super Juniors? I think it would be irresponsible not to. And do you want to start with the main event? Because I don't think we need to necessarily uh, spend too much time breaking down uh, the Tenzan, O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Ishii, and uh, uh, <laughs> Rapungi Vice match. But we'll go right to the main event there because I think that's the part that everyone's talking about. And rightfully so. Of course, it was Rusuke Taguchi, the A-block winner, versus Will Ospreay, the B-block winner. Uh, Ospreay won, as, as most people probably know by this. It was a 22-minute match. Joe, what were your thoughts on the match? Because I, I, when I woke up this morning, I set my alarm for about like 6 a.m. Because I was like, you know, I want to watch this main event. I never get to watch New Japan unspoiled. Every time I wake up, I check Twitter. Everyone's talking about it. Someone sends me the review. I have to read it. So I read. I, I watch nothing unspoiled. I like Wrestle Kingdom and then a, a, a G1 and some other stuff. Whatever I stay up for, those will be the ones that I'll watch a lot. But other, otherwise, I just can't do it. Otherwise. This time I said, no, I'm going to wake up at 6. I'm going to watch this one unspoiled. And I'm glad I did because I thought this was a fantastic match. I don't know what you thought watching it spoiled. I actually haven't talked to you about your thoughts. But I thought this was, I don't know if it's the best match of this entire Super Juniors. But I'm, I think I'm pretty safe in saying this is the best match of Taguchi's career and one of the better ones of Osprey's career. I thought, I thought this was awesome. I just thought it was really, 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 really good. I'd have to think really hard if it's the best match of Taguchi's career. Um, I'm sure I can come up with something if I think about it. I think it was one of the five best matches of the tournament for sure. Probably top three. I can't put it ahead of the Kushida O'Reilly match. Um, I probably wouldn't put it ahead of the match, but it's right there. And, and I can, and I can see an argument either way. Look, this was a, this was an excellent match. And I think what we saw here was, um, a very, you know, Will Ospreay had, Several different types of performances throughout this tournament. He had, you know, the match. Uh, he had the what I thought was a great match against Bobby Fish, where he was a cocky little prick, and Bobby Fish was a no nonsense veteran, uh, punching him in the mouth and slapping him around. I think that that match is not getting talked about enough. That's that's uh, another match that would make the top five for me in this tournament. And then he had this match, which uh, which was a leg match, and. You know, it was a leg match, and he sold the leg superbly. I thought he did such a great job, and they built around the leg in such uh, in such creative ways. And Taguchi was right there with him every step of the way. And I don't want to take anything away from Taguchi, but when I finished watching this match, I just thought to myself, this was just another killer Will Ospreay performance where he stole the show. And this guy is just well on his way to such big things. I'm tired of praising him. Everybody knows how great he is. But this match is just another example of, uh, of, of how great this guy is. And I think throughout the entire tournament, I think it, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think, you know, it, whatever you think of the guy, if, you, if you're sort of indifferent or if you're all on board, like, like, you know, obviously you and I both are and many other people are, on, you know, totally on board. If there's something you're going, ah, you know, I don't like this aspect. I don't like this. I like him better when he does this. You know, I, there was throughout this tournament, as you said. Just about every like range of match you could possibly have with Will Ospreay, you saw at some point during this tournament. You have, of course, the crazy flip match, the crazy high fly match. Then you have him working, you know, a slower game, working as an underdog. The one like the Bobby Fish, like you said, he's sort of the cocky prick heel, and Bobby Fish is is in a way 
kind of like a, a crusty veteran, but he's also sort of in the right because Osprey's kind of jacking around with him or whatever. You have the match against Tiger Mask, which is another way, uh, another very similar to the fish match as well, where Tiger Mask just is like, all right, dude, like <laughs> stop. Like you're being annoying and you're annoying me or whatever. And then you have this one where he just, I, I think you nailed it on the head with the, the supreme selling in this match, I thought was incredible. And the way that Osprey, you know, people can criticize him for not selling and all that sort of stuff. I think you put it up on Twitter. You're lost if you don't see that. If you don't see what he can do and how good he is at, at it. Because he is, in my mind, one of the better ones I've ever seen of, or at least seen in recent history, of utilizing, making it so obvious that that body part's hurting him and then altering what he does around that body part. Like yes. we saw that, you know, uh, against Kushida the one time where he does the, you know, the, 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 arm. the springboard with the arm. He goes, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to use the arm. I'm just going to do a springboard with one arm. And you saw that this time too. He just stopped using that leg, just did whatever he could on the one leg or did whatever he could. You, you know, without putting pressure on that leg. And then when he would put pressure on that leg, you could see just immediately he'd writhe in pain and go, God damn it. Like, I forgot. Like, yeah, duh. Because he, you know, sometimes he's not very smart. And there was times where he showed that. Like, he would land on two feet and then immediately go to the ground. Like, God damn. Like, I, I'm so dumb. I know that that hurts. But then you see when he gets smart, he goes, no, no, no. I'm just going to do my thing, but I'm not going to use this leg. And that's, that's to his credit, none of the, the shit that he does is not easy to do. You know, like, even from a performance standpoint, doing a springboard with one arm or doing Doing a springboard with one leg or doing these sort of things with one leg, that's not easy. That's very, very hard to do, but he does it almost flawlessly. Like you have to almost rewind to get an idea of, oh my God, he did that without the leg or he did that without the arm. I, I thought this match was filled with that. And it's just, it, it's another testament to how great this guy is. There was a match earlier in the tournament where he hit his finish, uh, you know, which is a, you know, reverse springboard move. And it was, a, mm-hmm. it was another leg match and it was very subtle, but he completely avoided planting with both legs before he hit his finish in that match as well, which was another subtle thing. And it speaks to what you're talking about. There's, there's many areas of selling. We talked about this when I gushed about Ishii a few weeks ago and I started going mental on Ishii when I just went, when I just lost my mind, but there's many areas of selling and there's two areas of selling where I think Willow spray excels as well as anybody in wrestling. Uh, and that is, uh, selling a body part like you just talked about in detail. And the other area is putting over pain the way he screams, the way he uh, rides around on the mat, he doesn't go overboard. He walks right up to the line but doesn't cross it, and he really puts over the idea of pain very well also. And I think that uh, it's, it's like you said earlier and I said on Twitter, I, I really can't listen to people who say this guy doesn't sell because they're not watching his matches. I, I'm with you. I think in terms of, 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 of wrestlers today, I put him in the upper. I'm, I'm ready to say he's one of the better sellers <laughs> in wrestling. Is that, I mean, am I crazy for that? I, I, I'm right there. I, I believe it. I mean, it, there's maybe there's different aspects. Maybe he doesn't do it in a classic way, but I think that's what's so shocking about it is he does it in a very unique and still, I think the key is it's still an athletic way. He's not completely destroyed by his leg being out. He just, he's not like, oh, you know, I can't do anything. I'm completely worthless. I, I you, You've destroyed me. You've taken me down. You've beat me down. He will just say, you know what? Hey, I, I, I'm this leg's good or, you know, this arm's good. Right. Like that's, it's a different aspect. Like we haven't really seen somebody, at least I haven't, or I, I can't think of one off the top of my head in recent memory who was so good at not letting it completely you know tear down what he's doing and not completely destroy his offense or destroy what he's doing but mostly alter what he's doing like it's very different and very unique in that sense i'll tell you one person who struggles with it and we've seen examples of it because people were very down on him earlier this year was kushida Mm -hmm. kushida naito when he came back was another guy who he would have a leg match and he'd sell the leg just fine, but then he'd run through all his usual spots where 
when 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 Osprey has done this, it's like you said, he he runs through, he does all his usual spots, but he still sells the limb while he's doing those spots, which is something a little different. And uh, and 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 really, to me, I, I the idea that he can't sell, we've got to throw that out the window. It's going to be very hard for me to take people seriously if they truly believe that, because I I think he's one of the best. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I mean, you, I have a different TV than you, I guess, because I don't know. Yeah, I, I just don't see it. You yeah. look at the Kushida match, and you look at this match in particular. I mean, geez. Now, I know what people are screaming right now who disagree. You know, they're saying that you know this guy has been involved in way too many crazy spot fests to say that he can't sell. But that's a different kind of match. If you're in the kind of match like that, if you're in a, in a match that's designed to just please the crowd like the Ricochet match in Dallas at the end of the Evolve show, that's a completely different psychology. And I don't really have a problem with anything they do in a match like that for all the reasons we talked about last week that we're not going to do again this week. So uh, to me, that's different. If you want to say, yeah, well, he doesn't sell enough to put over the impact of the moves. Well, okay, but now you're judging him against a different era, which again sort of bleeds into what we talked about last year. In the context of modern wrestling, in the context of his peers – I don't have a problem with anything he does in terms of selling. And I think that's all, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's, and maybe rich again, that we, we come from more of a sports background where you compare athletes in the context of their peers. You don't compare athletes. To, it's this whole golden state warriors thing that's going on. Ah, they could never beat uh, you know, Russell Celtics. Who knows and who cares? It was a completely different game then. Like, yeah, it's not even the same. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it, within right. the context of his peers, I have no problem with, with, with any of those sprays selling. And uh, and and you know today was a great example of that I thought he put in a spectacular performance uh, right up there with the Kushida performance just as good if not better than his performance in the Kushida match Taguchi was right there with him every step of the way uh, he's a deserving winner of this tournament you got this guy under contract he's a New Japan wrestler he's a hot young burgeoning star I have no problem with him winning the tournament do you have any problem with him winning the tournament. I don't. Yeah, that, that was a, a point of contention for some people. Not, not many, but people were bringing it up of, oh, you know, hey, another Gaijin won, you know, this tournament. And, oh, New Japan's letting this guy win. And, oh, it's an outsider. And like, there was various things coming from different people. And there were people just basically saying from their own perspective as well. They, you know, they would rather a native New Japan guy or a native Japanese wrestler win or whatever. But And I kept banging this home is that. This isn't just some guy that's flying in. This isn't, you know, some guy from Ring of Honor who's here for a week or here for this tournament. And you give him the thing and you go, okay, great, cool. Like, this guy's under contract. He's there for two years. Like, this is a guy that that you can you can call him an outsider. You can call him not a native or whatever. He's signed to that company. He's not going anywhere for two years. You have him for now. Utilize this guy. He's a superstar. He's super young. And he's going to be, as we've said a, a bunch of times... On this trajectory, he is going to be a superstar, an all-time legend in this sport and, and, and in wrestling. Like, why would you not utilize this guy to the fullest powers for the two years you have him? Like, you have him under contract. He's not going anywhere. You got him. Like, you know, it's he's not an outsider. You don't don't think of him as 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 you know us versus them or you, you know New Japan versus this guy. He's there. He's with you. He's got a contract. Like, I, I can't bang that home enough of, of that. This isn't. Just a guy that's flying in to do a thing, and the old guy, you know, new, uh, Ring of Honor says, "Oh, he can't job, so you have him win this thing." That's not at all what's going on. This isn't like what Ring of Honor does for New Japan guys, where they bend over backwards and let those guys do whatever the hell they want. This is a situation where they have this guy, so why not utilize him? Why not give him a, you know? Who's the who's the who's the hot young dojo star who was held back here? Right. Tell me who it is. I mean, and and the other thing is, I'm 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 really getting tired. Of there's ah too many Gajans. I'm so tired of that. Um, you know, know your history. 
It's like, you know, have you heard of the Sharps? Have you heard of Stan Hansen? Yeah, I was going to say that the whole Stan Hansen run in all Japan. Ah, have, God, have, here comes Stan Hansen again. Have, God damn. It. Have you like, heard of Doc and Gordy? Have you heard? I mean, I go on and I go off ever. Well, have you heard of the Destro- Wild Pegasus, you, Chris Jericho, of, Eddie Guerrero? Have you heard of the Destroyer? Pearl was built on the backs of Gage. I mean, what, this is I'm so sick of this talk. It doesn't matter where they're from or who they are. Yeah, you have to have your native stars. I get that. Okay. But it's like it, it, it's it's it, Pearl was built on Gajans. Or what are we doing here? And if you want to talk New Japan and Juniors, you just ran down. Have you ever heard of Dynamite Kid? <laughs> okay, this tournament might not even exist without Dynamite Kid. Prince Prince Devitt. <laughs> have you heard of Prince Devitt? Have you heard of Chris Benoit? Have you heard of Eddie Guerrero? Have you heard? Of, I mean, go on and on and on and on and on and on. Can we stop with this? Talent is. Ta- I, think- I want to see talented people, Rich. Yeah, I don't care I, what with... race they are. I don't care what dojo they came out of. I want to see talented people. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this company is going to push their homegrown guys. Okay? They are. But this is not, it, 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 this is not a big problem that New Japan has without, with foreigners. This is, it, it's always been this way. Always. This is not any different than anything else throughout history. And one of the criticisms that I've heard, and and it's it, it's fair, but I think this is where it's not quite the same, is that people say, well, you know, I'm watching Puro for an alternative to what I get in American wrestling or what I get, you, you know, for from mainstream wrestling or whatever. And I get that. And we we you and I many years ago, I, a couple years ago, were complaining about that when AJ Styles came in and and there was the usual Takahashi turning on you know Chaos and Okada and joining the Bullet Club, and we talked about that. We were kind of annoyed by you know the run-ins in the main event and sort of what we considered you know, American wrestling style main events with run-ins and chairs and that sort of stuff. That's a completely different issue. If you're looking for an alternative, I'm still getting it. This tournament at the end of this, you know, at the end of this best of the super juniors, I wasn't going, Oh man, that was not an alternative to what I get for mainstream wrestling. Yes. A quote Gaijin one, a white guy, a not a Japanese guy one, but that it, 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 it's not different. It's still being wrestled. It's being booked. This entire tournament was booked flawlessly, I thought. It was, it was fantastic. You wouldn't get this in mainstream. This is an alternative. Regardless of what ended up being the winner, who ended up holding the trophy or whatever, this is still an alternative to what you get in mainstream wrestling. I don't get the idea that, oh, this is not much of an alternative to me because I'm familiar with the, you know, these aren't Japanese wrestlers or whatever. My thing, I always want, I, when I first got in Pro, my thing was, I want something different than what I'm getting from WWE and what I'm getting from TNA or whatever. And I'm still getting that in that. And in particularly in this tournament, I got that regardless of who it is. Like you said, I just want to see talented guys. I just don't want them to go through with some bullshit stuff. I don't want 50, 50 booking. I don't want, you know, tons of run-ins and main events or whatever there, you know, new Japan's not great about that. It happens from time to time, but I still get that alternative. And I think that's where people are sort of conflating. The issue is, Oh, this is not an alternative because a Gaijin won. I, I don't believe that at all. I don't think that's true whatsoever. I, I listen. It's about style. It's about the style of the promo. It's about the house style, the style of the work. That's what you're mm-hmm. talking. I don't give a shit what race any of these guys are. I want talent. I want to see talented people. I don't care where they came from or what race they are. It doesn't matter to me. Now, it's it's. I would be more insulted and I would be more annoyed if they pushed the native guys ahead of more talented foreigners. That would bother me more, and you do see that from time to time. That would that would that offends me more as a fan. I want to see talented people, and I want to see the most charismatic and the best people for the positions pushed to those positions in all of wrestling, whether it's Japan or anywhere else. Uh, so it, it, the, the opposite would bother me. Okay, A 38-year-old Ryusuke Taguchi, who has no business winning this tournament, 
beating Will Ospreay today, that would have bothered me. A hell of a lot more than Ospreay. Ospreay really doesn't bother me at all. For he's a new, new, new Japan contracted wrestler who's the hottest young star in the business. I mean, shit. I mean, anyone who didn't pick him to win, we look stupid in hindsight. Of course he was going to win. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> I mean, in hindsight, it's a no-brainer. It's a fucking no-brainer that this guy won. So, I mean, no, I, 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 that, that's, that stuff's really starting to get under my skin, you know? And, and look, I, I get it. The best thing for business at the end of the day is always, you know, when it comes to your very, you know, your top stars, you've got to push those native guys. I get that, okay? Um, you know, it, it's, you could have an AJ Styles come in and be a foil for a year and a half or two years, but at the end of the day, you know, he, he's got to lose to Okada, you know? And that's what they did. So I, I, I really don't understand the gripe. You know, it's, it doesn't really matter if, 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 if Gaijins come in and they dominate the sixth most important title in the company, you know, like if it's the junior tag belts, it doesn't, it doesn't affect business. Like, who cares? You know what I mean? It's a very minor thing. I don't know. I just, I get, I get so sick of this stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be such a weird conversation if you had it on the other end. You know what I mean? Like you say NXT, like push a with Tommy and we were all like, oh, come on. Like, what are you doing? pushing a day with, you know what I mean? Like, it's such an odd conversation to have, like in the context of people making it in this, you know, it seems somewhat reasonable because they're saying, oh, you know, I want, but like go on the flip side of that. Like if there was a Japanese guy in America and this is how you were acting, like yeah, that would yeah. be ridiculous. Like if you're like, oh my God, like why is Shinsuke Nakamura on takeover? There's so many, but like, <laughs> why, why isn't the drifter? Well, I know he's hurt. The drifter can't be on there, but you know what I mean? Like that, that'd be the argument you'd be making. Like, and it'd be ridiculous. Like you would roll your eyes at that argument. Well, it, it's kind of the same thing here. Talent is talent. It doesn't matter what they are, what color they are, who they are, whatever it's, it's, um, before we get into the rest of this card here, I want to talk a, a kind of an interesting little fact. Um, and Chris Charlton, who of course is a great Twitter follow as well. It's at reason. JP, uh, does a great job translating. He's in Japan. He knows Japanese. So he's great at translating some stuff. Uh, he brought up a very interesting thing about the attendance for the show. I don't know if, did you follow any of this or track any of this? Yeah, I have a counter to what you're going to say, but go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just curious. No, I, I, I really don't have any strong opinion, but I found it kind of funny is that um, today uh, the announced attendance was 2,167. Uh, last year's attendance, 3,250, which, uh, of course, is a huge difference. Uh, on its face, the big difference, probably, last year, the show was on a Sunday, also 6-7. This year, 6-7 fell on a Tuesday. Probably not great. What I found kind of funny is that the, everybody was touting all oh, this show. The show sold out ahead of time. The show, you know, did all that. So I just kind of found that fun. Like, but I guess the number isn't a whole, you know, you know it, it, what, what was your comment? Well, two, what were we going to say? two different for? buildings. No, I know. I'm aware of that. No, I'm just saying that it's just a radically different number uh, in a lot they of ways. A, but they it, ran a smaller building. I mean, it's, yeah, oh, no. it's, they ran a smaller building this year and they ran back-to-back nights, which was going to be tricky. And both on weekdays. Right, Monday and Tuesday. Here's yeah. the way I look at this. I can never complain about a sellout. <laughs> I just can't. I, I, I mean, I, I saw some people talking about, you know, the attendance difference from last year to this year, but I can't, I, you know, I can't, unless they ran a 500-seat building this year, which then, you know, obviously, but they, you know, they ran a 2,200-seat you know, building and they filled the place uh, ahead of time. It's like I can't, I can't find an angle to consider that disappointing. Now, the day before doing about half of that, if you want to attack that, go right ahead. Um, I do think he makes a good point with the back-to-back weekday dates. Right, that's not In the not same ideal. building. Um, so people are going to buy tickets to the more important show, obviously. But, you know, you got to remember they ran Tokyo last year and they ran a bigger building. So I think right. that had something right. to do with it. And you can't really... The thing you can't do, though, is really compare the matches because, again, in, in, in this year's case, they all bought the tickets before they, they all bought blind tickets. 
Um, and in last year's case, I don't remember, but I'm assuming the same thing. I think people buy the ticket to see the best of the Super Junior Final, expecting it to be a good match and a match that they want to see. I don't. I so I, it's hard to. You can't say. Oh well, you know, people were more into Kushida O'Reilly than they were into this. Yeah, it's not an apples and apples, and I didn't mean to actually bring that. When I brought up the numbers, just that it was kind of a startlingly low, like the numbers seemed a lot lower. Not that there wasn't people in the crowd, because of course there were two different states, but just the idea that they, you know, maybe they could have booked a bigger building, or maybe they could have done that. Any reasons came up. I know Chris also mentioned there might have been double bookings. You know, maybe they just wanted to change venue. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. I just thought it was kind of funny to see that difference in the numbers. But maybe they knew. You know, maybe not, they knew they were running a weekday and figured they would run a yeah, smaller bill. I have no idea what the thought pro- – or maybe the reverse. Maybe they knew they were on a weekend last year and figured out oh, we can do this in a slightly bigger building. Right. Um, I, I don't know the ins and outs of all that. I have no idea. But my whole thing is is like I, I can't ever get on a company for selling out a building. I can't. And I believe they ran that that building in Tokyo. I forgot the exact name of it. If I remember correctly, I'm actually I'm going to go to the cage match right now. Yeah, they ran that building uh, two years prior to that, the 2014 and 2015 last uh, – the finals – uh, we're both at that building, and then the uh, 2013 was back in uh, Corican as well. So, yeah, kind of interesting. Wait, why the 13 uh, you know, final was in Corican? Uh, yes. Wow. Yep, Corican all. And then they ran. So you know what? Maybe we figured it out. Maybe they uh, when they run the weekend, they go. They, oh, that's true. Yeah, let's see what the date was. Uh, so it's six nine 2013. So 6-9-2013, of course. What day? <laughs> Six nine. It was a Friday. Okay, so six. Yeah, so there we go. So six nine two thousand thirteen was a Friday, and that's on the one they were in Corrigan. Uh Let's see eight six eight two thousand fourteen. I believe, barring any radical calendar changes. Uh, no, it was a Wednesday. Okay, so they ran a Wednesday last so the, uh, two thousand fourteen. So in fourteen, they ran a Wednesday. So there's no pattern. No, no pattern whatsoever. There's no pattern. They're not doing anything based on day of the week. No. So they just happened to. So there goes that. <laughs> this year they just decided to run Aichi or whatever city that is. I think it's uh, Sendai. Sendai. Sun Sendai. Sendai yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, they they usually run that for usually like a smaller new beginning when they mm-hmm. you know the the smaller of the two new beginnings or, or something like that. And they usually fill the place. I mean, it only holds like twenty two hundred people. I think it's a nice looking building because it it holds I don't know a cup a few hundred people more than Cork and Hall, but it looks. It looks huge. It looks very, a lot bigger. Yeah, than it's more of an auditorium sort of deal instead of like Cork and Hall is more of just like bleacher seating. Um, no, I love Cork and Hall, but I think this looks it, it's more of a it looks like a more that upper deck helps. It, yeah. it gives it a nice bigger you know, like you said a stadium arena feel. Yes. Whereas Cork and you know feels like a hall. <laughs> the name the name is accurate. It, it looks like a hall. It's concert. Which is it's concert. It's great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is more you know arena. So yeah, absolutely. I thought the fans were great. On the second. They were fantastic throughout the show. And we'll, we'll talk, of course, when we break down the matches as well. There were particular matches and particular guys that they were all on board on. And it actually gave you a pretty good idea of these guys uh, and the relative popularity, at least with this crowd or, you know, in general, of, of guys that are real hot right now uh, and guys that, you know, maybe need a little bit of work. But, yeah, I, I thought the crowd was fantastic throughout. Yeah. Are you ready to go down the uh, card here real quick? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Jay White, David Finley, um, as you put on Twitter, and as most people would assume, it was good. Shockingly, uh, it was good. And then the finish, um, if for people who haven't seen it, 
it, it it it's when we say it's good, it was it had a nice little different wrinkle to it. I mean, David Finley comes in, you know, he's obviously uber confident because he you know was in the Super Juniors. He's one of the big guys now, uh, and he kind of works out the match like he's that way. Like he's kind of a little cockier, like hey, I'm you know I'm a level above Jay White, and he gets caught. He gets caught with a small package, um, a whole uh, you know a submission, and then that's it. You know that's that's how he wins. What was Jay White. what was great about this is obviously he's on the long losing streak to to Jay White, uh, Finley. And like you said, he came in confident. He's cocky. He was in Super Juniors. He got a win, right? And uh, yeah, oh yeah, he's, I'm, I'm way ahead of you, bud. <laughs> I play with the big boys, and what are you doing? Like you're still here. And not only that, he's dominating the match and talking shit. He's talking lots of shit, and he's dominating. And then he gets caught in a small package and loses again. Yep. Let me tell you something. These guys are now they're they're having better matches than Komatsu and Tanaka were having, and Komatsu and Tanaka were having great matches. These guys are having better matches. And not only that, there's layers. Komatsu, Komatsu and Tanaka would just go out there and they would have a match and it would be in its own little context. You know what I mean? And they would trade wins. I was, remember I was keeping track of the win-loss record and Komatsu always had like a two-win edge and it was always you know fairly close to even. And th- these two guys, Finley and, and, uh, and White, they have like this storyline going where one guy just cannot get the better of the other. He won the first match and now he's lost like eight in a row. So there's a there's a whole different layer to what these guys are doing. I just they you cannot skip the the matches of these guys. You just can't. They're doing just tremendous stuff. Our next match was uh, Yoshitatsu and Captain New Japan, which is a uh, just an unbelievably awful team uh, versus Yujiro Takahashi and Chase Owens. Uh, you actually like this match. I kind of thought it was there, but I thought Chase did a good job. Um, I thought mm, Captain did okay, and then the rest of it was just kind of garbage. I thought this. It better than it had any right to be. The fans were super into it. I don't know why. Um, yeah, I have no idea either. I don't know. This why. is what I'm talking about. Like for me, I don't know. Maybe it's just the Joel Anza thing. But when you got a hot crowd, it's hard for me not to like anything. Because I liked this entire show. I had so much fun watching this show. You know, and I thought I was just gonna, you know, be dragging my feet through this undercard because there was a lot of filler stuff, mm-hmm. and I was like, Ugh. well, we we uh, everybody looked at the card and kind of rolled their eyes, and went, ah, this is kind of a. Ch- crappy car you know not that many no singles matches yeah. and, and rightfully so i mean it is just a lot of just guys getting on the card tag matches but yeah i'm, I'm with you i ended up being a really good show overall yeah and i'm sitting there watching it and i'm like fuck you know and it, and i think a lot of that is when there's a hot crowd i i just like a hot crowd a hot crowd gets me in anything you know i always put over the post wrestlemania raw crowd and and uh, you know i it's just it, there's a good crowd it lifts me up and i get in there it's like a match like this look this had better work than it than it had any right to have and but but the fact that the crowd was so into it and they were so into captain new japan getting near falls and they were pumped up for the bullet club hunter team you know uh you know trying to beat the bullet club that got me into the match you know i'm not saying it was a four star match or anything like that but this is the you, you look at this match on paper and you're like skip you know what I mean? And I would have skipped this if I if I didn't do this show. If it wasn't my fucking job to watch it, it's probably something I would have skipped. But now I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I watched this entire show because I, I was I was into it. It was a nice little prelim match. And I'll tell you, I like that they're putting together Yoshitatsu and Captain New Japan as this prelim tag team. And they're, they even gave them a name. They're calling them the, the Bullet Hunters. Okay? Because that gives me hope that Yoshitatsu, no offense to the guy, okay? <laughs> I don't want him involved in, you know, look, he got his never six-man trios win over the Bullet Club. That was kind of his moment. You know what I mean? Like, he got his little title win, and they had their little title run. And now they've sort of, you know, moved him into this prelim deal with Captain New Japan. And that gives me hope that he won't be in the G1. Yeah. Because if he's paired with a prelim act like Captain New Japan, that might be how they see him. 
and this gives me hope that he will not be clogging up a G1 spot. That'd be, that'd be nice. Um, speaking of uh, next match was another one that, again, like you'd be shocked. Uh, you know, it's got good guys in there, but you'd be shocked at how good it was and how hot the crowd was. And that was Yuji Nagata uh, and, of course, Nakanishi versus Katsuri Shibata and Juice Robinson. Uh, this, I mean, the crowd was so into Shibata. I mean, they, the second his music played, the crowd just went, went nuts. Like there was a huge pop immediately the first second of his music, which is always awesome. Of course, they were in Nakanishi more than even usual. A New Japan crowd is. They just loved absolutely everything he did. And in the work between Shibata and Nagata, we've seen them sort of, you know, of course, they've had their match. Uh, they've had their never, uh, you know, title match. They've had these different things. But this had just a different feel and a different, like, there was one point, I don't know, and there was a gift that came out uh, a little bit earlier as well that I talked about this for people that haven't seen this match or, or, or seen the, the match. It was, Nagata went for a kick and Shibata just grabbed him. Held on to his leg and just slapped the absolute shit out of Nagata, and Nagata just falls to the ground, and the crowd goes nuts for that. I never thought that they'd be on Shibata's side for something like that against a guy like a Yuji Nagata, but they were, and that's just, I mean, this crowd loved themselves some Shibata, and this match was awesome. I thought it was really good. Shibata won with the penalty kick on Nakanishi, but this is seven minutes and 50 seconds. You cannot skip. This is one of my favorite matches on the entire show. What'd you think? Yeah, this is a great match. I, I, there's a lot of things going on with this match. Number one, if you remember at the beginning of the Shibata versus Dad's feud, Shibata was very disrespectful, uh, especially towards Nagata. If you've noticed, that's changed. At the end of this match, Nagata's holding up the Never title, and Shibata is just quietly nodding at, at Nagata. And then when Shibata's leaving the ring and he walks up the ramp, he stops before he – and you know how he normally leaves the ring. He just hustles. <laughs> he just runs back. Like yeah. he's getting paid by the hour, okay? Yeah. This time, he walked back up the ramp. He turned around before he left the curtain, and he bowed to the crowd. This is such non-Shibata behavior that we're seeing now. I love this feud because it's like he, he, he ran through the other dads. Uh, the matches got progressively harder as he went, and now he's sort of run into Nagata. He was stunned that he lost to him, and now you know this guy's giving him a ton of trouble, and it's like Nagata is teaching Shibata respect. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and it, it yeah. gives this whole thing another layer, and I am so into this, and I cannot wait for them to have their next singles match. I am so much more into this feud than I ever thought I was going to be. That's great. I love it. Yeah. In, in hindsight, it was such a smart move having Nagata win the title. Remember at the time, we weren't sure where we were at with that. You know what I mean? And we're like, eh, here we go again, just trading belts. It's whatever. But this is a, a very important part of the story because if Shibata beats him, the story's over. But now we're, we're seeing some growth here with Shibata. We're seeing it's, – it's like maybe this takes Shibata to the next level because eventually he's going to beat Nagata. You know what I mean? He's going to get the better of him. He's going to beat him. Oh, of course. Yeah. And, but when he gets Nagata's stamp of approval here, maybe that's the last thing he needs until they really push this guy to the moon, which people have been saying for like three years and we make a running joke about it here. But they're doing it now based on some of the people that have left. And based on some of the marketing that they've done, he's going to be one of the guys that they push. And I yeah, he's not getting four points in G one again or whatever the hell he had. You know, <laughs> like the, he's going to be a player. He's going to be a player moving forward. And I really think that the, this final Nagata stamp of approval is going to go a long way because whatever you think of Nagata, he, he has a certain stature in that company. He's a gatekeeper. He's still a gatekeeper. It there. may have yeah. been during the dark days, but he was the top dog. Okay, and that sure. and that stuff matters. Uh, move on now. We have 
Hiroshi Tenzan, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish. An awesome uh, combo there uh, versus Tomohiro Ishii, Rocky Romero, and Beretta. Again, like my what do they talk about conversation, Tenzan and uh, Bobby Fish. I'd always be fascinated what they talk about. Look, I'm not going to argue with you this time. Red Dragon and Hiroshi Tenzan, <laughs> I don't think they're hanging out after the matches. I really don't. But, uh, you know, Tenzon with his... And then the, the, my favorite part of the entire... I don't know if anybody had a gift of it. I, I didn't see. But then when they were walking to the back, like, Tenzon in the middle holding up their arms. And I was like, that that unit right there. I need that. Like, just taking over the world. Like, Tenzon and Red Dragon. Like, what, what an unbelievably weird group of people. You know, but, all right. Red Dragon wants to go to the gym and spar. Ten, Tenzon <laughs> wants to smoke. You know, yeah, I was gonna say, it's yeah. like <laughs> the conversation probably goes, "Hey, you have smokes? I don't smoke." And, uh, and then that's, that's the end like, of it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You know, he wants to go to the bar, knock down a few, <laughs> have a couple cigarettes. These guys want to go spar, and you know, and yeah. drink energy. Bobby Fish wants to spar and then go to Starbucks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so absolutely, I'm totally with you. But yeah, this was a fun, ma- f- fun pre-intermission match. Yeah. A lot of action. Again, the crowd was into it. And by this point in the show, I'm thinking. I'm so glad I watched this whole show. I've liked everything on it to this point in the show. Uh, move on now. We have Kushida, Ricochet, and Matt Seidel versus Jushin Thunder Liger, Tiger Mask, and Valador Jr. This is basically a you know a collection of guys that were in the Super Juniors. Here's a little bit of a showcase. Do your last things before you guys get out of here. And it was a lot of fun. Valador did his fun stuff. Um, Ricochet, of course, uh, in a lot of ways stole the show by you know just being as spectacular as he is. And then I just thought all around it was really good work uh, by just about everybody in this match. Uh, Liger and Tiger Mask kind of took took a somewhat of the night off, but Liger had some fun stuff as well, where he was chopping the hell out of Seidel and doing some other stuff, but uh, yeah, for the most part, I don't know if there was much to really glean from this match, but it was a good little showcase for uh, all these guys that uh, just had nothing else to do uh, on the show. So, after the match, the 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 uh, Ricochet side wins the match, and then Bobby Fish and O'Reilly come down, and Bobby Fish um, said what I've been waiting for them to say for two years, he's like, look man, we never lost those titles. Because they haven't ever lost those titles. They always lose in three ways, and they're, they're never mm. the team that takes the fall. And I'm getting all excited because I'm like, yeah, man, he's got a great fucking point. <laughs> they, they, should, they should get – and then here comes fucking Rapongi Vice. And I'm just like, what the fuck? You know, they're doing all the right things here. They've got, you know, the the the, the, the an organically built Yeah, the, <laughs> match, the former like... champions who feel like they were wronged twice. Every time they lose the titles, it's cause some other asshole it's cause fucking Nick Jackson gets pinned or whoever the fuck. You know what I mean? It's like and and, and they're annoyed. And then here comes Rapongi Vice. And I'm just like, you know what? It's not even anything against Rapongi Vice, but here they gotta slap us in the fucking face with another three way. And it's just like they have all these teams, they don't know what to do with them. Would it kill this company? Seriously, would it kill this company to have two junior tags on one show and have a junior tag that isn't <laughs> right. the title match? I mean, why can't you do the Red Dragon versus Ricochet and Seidel match and whoever's going to win is going to win? I don't give a shit if this title changes hands every time. It's the, that's not the part that bothers me. It really isn't. I don't care how many times this title changes hands. What I care about is these three ways and four ways. Just have them defend the titles against Red Dragon. Have Rapongi Vice face, I think Joe, Joe Gagne said, why not Liger and Tiger Mask since mm-hmm. you know, that would be fine. Or whoever else, you know, if the Bucks. Well, and then they have a title shot. Then they could say, hey, we beat this guy. Yes. Now we get our turn, right? Yeah, <laughs> it, it could be anyone. The Bucks, if they're healthy, I don't care who it is. Have a second match and the winners of that match are the natural or naturally the next challengers. Why? Can they not do that? Can the world live 
without a Captain New Japan six-man at Dominion and just do a second junior tag match to set up challengers? Why can't they? I don't. I, I know it's rhetorical, Rich. I know you don't have an answer for me. But why? Yeah, and, and like this exact match has happened in February. You know what I mean? And like, yes, the the the, the Rapungi Vice versus Seidel and Ricochet that's happened. You know, three times prior, or two times prior, I believe. So you know, that's kind of one that you, you do again, and maybe that gets a little long in the tooth. But the Red Dragon, like a Red Dragon Seidel Ricochet, that, that's fine. Like that, it's it's like you said, it has a good story. It makes sense. These guys are saying, hey, look, you know, we you know, we haven't lost or whatever. And then, like you said, Rapungi Vice comes out and they go, we get a rematch. And it's just like, oh, that, that's just something that else was the tired. best part because oh, I was like, come on. Trent, God. Trent like, cited <laughs> the rematch clause, which you always rant about. You're like, it doesn't exist. You're, <laughs> like, the Crage argument is there is no rematch clause. To be fair, he said in my contract we get a rematch clause. That's right. So okay, so he did specify that. Like people use it as the blanket statement for, oh, of course they get a rematch because they get a rematch. It's like, oh, no, okay. Right, like, so are you softer on this because he brought out an actual piece of paper? Maybe and cited the fact. I still hate it. I still hate hate the hell. I I, I despise it. But I will allow it because as he said, oh, our contract says we get a rematch, and he had it in his hand. Yeah, so I mean, I'll allow that slightly, but yeah, like I said, this match just happened in February. We've we've talked for so long, and they've been, they were they've been pretty good this year. Like I, I believe of the you know junior heavyweight title, I know there was the Wrestle Kingdom, of course, there was the four way. Then I believe it was the new beginning in Osaka. They did uh, this exact three way again, and then I think from from then on, it's been like just two on two, which, which is good, which is how it should be. But yeah, we're right back to it again, and I, I fear that we've now gotten into this loop again where it's just going to be the constant, you know, because really, if you use rematch clauses, anybody and on it, like it, it's an endless stream of constant rematches then um, for these exact titles. But yeah, I, I uh, yeah, it, it kind of pissed me off because these guys just they get so much room, more room to work and more room to tell their stories when it's two on two. Like we don't have to say it again. We say it all the time. Like it's just it's such a m- different match when it's just two on two. These teams really can stand out and really can ca- do something. Whereas you know now they're not now they got ten minutes to do all their shit and there's six guys in the ring and everyone's bumping into each other and it's like yeah it's cool because Ricochet will do a flip to the outside inside L will do a you know a moonsault and I say moonsault but like yeah it, it's ugh, we've, I we've seen it. it all before and it's like it's almost it's like they have. Two too many the division is too deep the division is too good and he he doesn't know how to juggle them all effectively just have two like i like you said why not just have two matches yeah. like i don't that's understand why that's like I mean, that's unfathomable of like oh what do we do with this other team okay well i don't know <laughs> like because i guarantee you dominion's gonna have a, a six or eight man match with captain new japan and liger and tiger Man. just get rid of that match this month and take the two juniors out of that match and have a second match you know, Captain New Japan will live. He'll be okay without a match at Dominion. Okay, he's the last guy on the fucking rung. So, yeah, very frustrating. And it's funny uh, because then Ricochet, Ricochet then goes, I like it. We'll have a triple threat match. We're not scared. Right. The only thing this segment was missing was Stephanie McMahon. Right. This was, a, this was like a raw segment. You know, it's like the first challengers come out, then the Rapunzel. Oh, it was so bad. It was just so much the multi-man raw thing where it's like different people come out like, hey, I deserve a title shot, too. All it was missing was, you know, Stephanie McMahon putting the match together. You know, it's it's it just was such a raw segment. And and, and this is what I don't want. Like you talked about before. This is what I don't want on my New Japan shows. Okay, this is not an alternative. (laughs) This is what I just watched last night. With, with six different guys sitting on top of ladders to start. Oh, God. That was just. How do we. How can we tell them this is a ladder match coming up soon? All right. Well, everybody stand on ladders. <laughs> Very naturally, we it's all just sit on top of ladders. Right? 
right? We all, like, in what way can we can we come across that multiple men will be in a ladder match other than having everybody sit at the top rung of a ladder and talk to each I other? Think like, what the every, fuck? Every, every person in that segment almost lost their balance and fell off. Oh, yeah. Like, who sits on a ladder? It's, 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 they're, they're sitting on a ladder and holding a microphone. <laughs> and they're not, like, small ladders either. They're, like, big-ass ladders. Like, And they're holding microphones, and they're trying to remember <laughs> lines, and they're cutting promos. And Fuck. and they're all trying to look cool. So it's like you can't be there with like two hands. You have to like look cool. So like the, I think at some point every one of those ladders teetered a bit and they almost <laughs> fell off. God. All right. Uh, next match, uh, Kojima and Elgin uh, versus Kenny Omega and Bad Luck Folly. I love this match. This was awesome. Kojima fun. came out. Yeah, I mean, first off, Kojima came out like a fucking bat out of hell. I don't know what the hell got into him. But I, people I can going, tell you. I can tell you what happened. He didn't do shit on the rest of the tour. So he had all his energy. Yeah. He had all of his energy. He was like a puppy out there. He's just going nuts. The crowd's going ape shit. He's chopping the hell out of guys. He's clotheslining guys. He was all over the place. He was a monster in this match. And and I'll tell you, (laughs) I don't think he took a bump on the entire tour previous. I swear to God, every match I watched, like he would just, he was in these six mans against, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Bullet Club or whatever it was. And and, and, and he would just, you'd forget he was in the match. He was taking tips from Togi Makabe. So he rested up the entire tour and he was a fucking monster here. It was great. And then Elgin, of course, was also a monster, too. Building up, of course, uh, with Elgin taking over for Tanahashi uh, as the challenger at Dominion. And to set to really, again, uh, you know, maybe a little subtlety hammer, but he decided, eh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to power bomb Kenny Omega through a ladder. Maybe that will make him accept because, of course, Kenny Omega was still not quite sure if he was going to accept Elgin's challenge for uh, the, the, you know, the Intercontinental title shot at Dominion, you know, taking over for Hiroshi Tanahashi. Well, that woke him up and he definitely did it. But, yeah, I, I thought this was good. All of it on Kojima and Elgin, and that is a team. If if they join the World Tag League, if if he says if Elgin says Tanahashi, I don't need you anymore. Kojima and Elgin World Tag League, are you in? I think they'd be fucking. That'd awesome. be a, they, they, listen. I I, I was all I in. Love I saw this match, match today. I need more of that. I need more well, of this. You know what you need then? You need a Tenzon pulled hamstring, is what you need. Okay. Because they're not breaking up Ten Koji for the World Tag. Probably League. not. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I mean that they, 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 a battle bowl. What we what we really need is a battle bowl. I would love a battle bowl. We'll talk about that later today as well. Start we're we're going to finally review it, yeah. <laughs> right. The battle pool. All right. Uh, Okada, Goto, Yoshihashi, and Gato versus uh, Naito, Sonata, Evil, Bushi, of course, Los Ingrenables. Uh Bushi won here, but I think the bigger story, and I think this something that people brought up on our forums and people have mentioned, this feud is getting fun. Like, there's th- these matches have felt pretty good. They felt different, even though they've been these multi-mans. This chaos versus Ingobernables feud, it, it, it's getting there. It's fun, and, and you're going to be shocked by this, Joe. But I'd be on board. If they did this as, like, a, a big-time elimination match main event, I'd be all in. You throw Osprey in there. You, you get all the top dogs, and you just have a fucking drag-out elimination match as a main event. Would you be on board for that? This is my feud of the year right now because – these matches have whether they're six man matches or eight man tags, every and no matter what how small the house show is, these matches kill it every time out. And they feel different. They don't feel like the okay, everyone's going through the motions. You know, it, it, there's a there's some there's like a raw emotions and there's there's just something. It, it seems like these teams truly do hate yes. each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not uh it, it, like sometimes Bullet Club loses that aspect for me where it seems like these guys just face Bullet Club, but this seems like a general like like a genuine like they. These guys just hate each other and they don't like each other at all. You know, it goes down to and, and everyone's got their little micro feuds too, which I thought was awesome too. Yep. You know, you have of course Naito and Okada, and then you have Yoshihashi, uh, is, Sonata. Is, yeah, it's Sonata, and he's looking great too, and he's he's been really fun as well. You know, getting Gato in there, like I, I'm all on board. If you have a big time elimination match and make that the main event of some show, 
I think it could happen. I think it could work. E- evil and Goto. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like it's, it's good stuff. It, it feels important. It feels like everyone has someone who they hate. Um, the matches have all just been just. You know what they remind me of? They remind me of the Shield versus the Wyatt family matches from a couple years yeah. ago when they were facing each other every week on TV, on Raw, on SmackDown, on pay per view, and they were having those hot six man matches. And it's sort of like the same deal where. I know people really loved those Shield uh, Wyatt family matches, and I wasn't quite as high on them, but I thought they were all like really good matches. Same thing here. None of these matches to me are like match of the year contenders or like four and a half star matches or anything like that, but they're all really fucking good. They all flirt in that four star range. You know what I mean? Like, you know, three and a half, three and three quarters, maybe four if you're being if you're being generous. And there's just great action. And they just all deliver in the same way that those WWE trios matches were delivering a couple of years ago. So, mm-hmm. and 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 as far as uh, you know, and like you said, everything just feels heated. And to me, this feels like an old school throwback pro wrestling feud. And right now, this is my feud of the year in wrestling yeah. with with Roman Reigns and AJ Styles, like you know, right on its heels. But that that's over, you know. And that was only like a six week deal. This thing's going to continue on. Uh, obviously moving forward and it has been going on all year. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm on board 40, 40 minute main event elimination match. That's me saying that. So that'd be great. It'd be awesome. You get all the, get the big dogs in there, get Osprey in there. Get, you know what I mean? But the problem great. is yeah, that the Los and Gobernobles side, that's the worst I ever said it. Jeez. I, that's pretty terrible. I've been yeah. doing this. Carino, Carino wasn't very good either. I don't know if he'd taken tips from you, but he was Keller terrible saying. as well. But the thing is, I've been doing this so long that I, I don't know. I really don't have to. You say actually it don't know how to actually pronounce I've it. I've taught yet. myself how not. Like, it started off as a gimmick, right? It started off where I really didn't know how to say it. And then I figured out how to say it, but then I was just doing a gimmick. Now, because I've been doing the gimmick so long, I don't know how to say it anymore. It's like gone full circle. It's like when you tell, it's like when someone tells a lie so many times that they start to believe it. I've been mispronouncing this for so long that I don't know how to pronounce it anymore. But the, my point is, they only have four members. So you can only pick, you yeah. know what I mean? So that's where your theory is kind of out the window. You can't do like an eight on eight kind of thing because chaos just has like a million guys. <laughs> Maybe they can give them one. <laughs> you bring over some, well, no, they broke up in Mexico. They broke up. I was going to say, bring over some of the guys from Mexico. Yeah. They broke it up. So you can't even do that. So well, you could have brought Fucking... over Marco Corleone or something. <laughs> well, I prefer somebody other than Marco well, Corleone. You, you like Marco Corleone? Uh, I guess he's okay. What, what are you, Jim Cornette? You have to say you like Marco. I think he's fine. I mean, he's a preliminary fucking wrestler. Now it's Kenny King, but it's the same yeah. idea. He ripped Corleone too. He's, uh, give, give him Jado, right? Jado's still chaos, right? You had to leave the country to get a job. Like, why? You know, what's what's your deal with Marco Corleone? Uh, yeah, but you could bring over some of the, you know, the, the, the former. Just bring Eddie. I honestly bring a Mexican guy over and give him the tea. No one's gonna care. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's it, not gonna. It'd be, it be like when Ray Bucanero came over and was a Bullet Club member. Remember? <laughs> right. Just like no one's gonna <laughs> like, care. Like, or Tariq, awesome was it Terrible? It was one of them. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible was the Bullet Club member. You know, and he didn't quite know how to act when he was like a Bullet because they, it they just like you said they just tossed them a shirt and said you know just just <laughs> see it's not that hard. Be yeah, cocky at ringside, you know, and just yeah, right. Yeah. You know, so you, you're right. You could do that. Uh, and then, of course, there was the final match. We talked about that, so not much more to get into there. I want to do a real quick uh, checkup. We got a few weeks until Dominion, but I thought uh, after this show, we got a little bit of the matches ready to go, or at least the big feuds are, are basically there. So I thought really quickly, let's run down this card and just sort of talk about what we're excited about, what we're enjoying um, so far from the builds. 
of course, we mentioned <laughs> we're not enjoying the tag, uh, the junior heavyweight tag titles. The uh, of course, Sidell and Ricochet defend their titles against Red Dragon or Poggy Vice. We'd both prefer two on two. We're, well, sorry, we're not going to get it. So whatever. Uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, of course, with Will Ospreay winning the Super Juniors, he will face Kushida for the championship. You're on board. You know, we talked about this when we were discussing the the tournament and what could happen or whatever. You're on board for this match happening again as quickly as it did. What Okada Naito? Uh, Kushida and Osprey. Oh, Kushida Osprey. Yeah, I mean, look, not in an ideal world, maybe not, but I mean, I, it's it's fine. I mean, what's you know, maybe you want to space it out a little, but they're just they want to strike while the iron's hot with with yeah. Osprey, and um, I don't really have a problem with it now. Now, the question that many people were discussing again this morning: Does Osprey win here? Does he maybe lose, and then maybe down the line he gets another shot, or do you just have him win it? What would you do? I think it's game? a better story if he loses. I agree, um, but I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna burn 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 it to the ground if he wins. Um, I, 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 it's look one thing I, I I really the one thing that bothers me about doing a pro wrestling podcast and you kind of have to react. You're forced to react to booking in the moment, and I, I don't want to be let it play out guy. But a lot of times you have to see what happens next before you can really judge something. And with the with the Super J Cup coming, I, I it's kind of hard for me to say, well, this is what they need to do in this match. You know what I mean? I I I, I have I have a problem. I have trouble with that. But if it would have been Taguchi winning the tournament, there'd be no question he would have to lose because Shida would have to beat Taguchi. But mm-hmm. with a guy like this, I, I don't think you can really go wrong either way. Yeah, I, I just think the biggest thing or the important thing is that it's not a foregone conclusion. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Kushida wins here. Like, like it's not, oh, a, not a, that wouldn't be that wouldn't shock me. That wouldn't stun me. Like, so people have to because there were people going, oh, my God, you know, now, you know, Kushida's going to lose. Oh, it's too soon or whatever. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Osprey loses here and has to work his way back up or, or you know, do something else to get another title shot. That's not totally unfathomable like it's not I, like you said it could go either way but I think that's an important distinction that it can go either way so don't go into this going oh my god there's no chance for Kushida I mean very good chance for Kushida I mean they think obviously they think very very highly of this guy right now and it's you know in their sense they might say hey it's too soon for this guy to drop it let's let him run this course a little bit and hey we got again we have Osprey for two years and we want to do this at, at, at Wrestle Kingdom or whatever and have that be Osprey's big moment we can do that it's okay like it's not again you know it's it, again it's just not out of the realm a possibility that Kushida does win here. It could, you know, Osprey may win, but yeah, it, it, to me, it's honestly 50-50. I, I, I don't have a strong reason. I think it's a coin flip match. Yeah. And I, and I think that, um, you know, they may view these two guys as the, as the two uh, big junior rivals that feud with each other over the next two years. Maybe they want to make this a classic junior rivalry, and maybe they don't see Ricochet fitting into that because Ricochet is always a threat to, you know, sign a contract with someone else and disappear um, the thing about it is if, 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 if I know that I have ricochet in the fold, um, for wrestle kingdom, I'm doing Ozospray ricochet at wrestle kingdom in some form or fashion. Um, if that means Kushida has to lose the title and work a six man opener at the dome, I, that I'm sorry, that needs that because with the, with the, all the attention that match got and, and everything else, if, if, if ricochet is still available to them at that time, I find a way to make that match ha- to make the rematch happen there, and mm-hmm. and preferably for, it doesn't even need to be for the belt though. That's the other thing. But let's, yeah, those guys can just have a match. They can just have a showcase match. But, that doesn't matter. But yet. here's the thing. Let's face it. You know they're not going to do two junior singles matches in, at the dome. No. So so, so it's going to have to be for the belt. So if you've got Ricochet in the fold till then, you got to find a way to get the title either on Ricochet or on Will going into that match. I think they'd be nuts not to do that match at the dome. 
Uh, other matches on Dominion, uh, of course, the ladder match, Kenny Omega defending his Intercontinental Championship against Michael Elgin. I uh, think Elgin's going to be a suitable replacement for Tanahashi because, uh, yes. of course, we do. I don't even know why I asked I, I think it might actually be a better match seeing Thank that you. it's a ladder match mm-hmm. and Tanahashi, look, we know he'd work hard, but at the same time, with the physical limitations, you know, I, I feel like Elgin's going to go out. And Elgin's a, a guy who's hungry. Elgin's a guy who's hungry. He's more familiar. This is an American-style match. He's got something to prove. Um, he can throw Kenny around, which is something you don't have that same dynamic with Tanahashi. I think it's an improvement from a match perspective. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm with you, uh, particularly when we understand what Tanahashi's kind of going through and his health issues. And and as you said, yeah, he's probably going to give it his all. He's probably going to do it. But, yeah, it's just it, it it's a more familiar match type for Elgin. And yeah, I just like the dynamic a little bit more. I really do like that dynamic of Elgin sort of being the you know the the good best friend and going to stick up for Tanahashi. And like you said, the right there in that tag match that we saw in the best super junior, uh, super junior final, where you know he power bombs the hell out of Kenny Omega through that ladder, the crowd went ape shit because it was like holy crap! Like like people forget how strong he can look and how he can appear as well. So I, th- I really do like the dynamic and the juxtaposition of the big man Elgin versus the little guy Omega. And then, you know, you know Elgin's going to do some fun athletic stuff in this match as well. So I'm with you. I think from a pure match standpoint, and I, I like this better and than it, and if it was Tanahashi. So. And it's a novelty for New Japan. I mean, because that they've never, you know, they've never done that in New Japan before. Guys get powerbombed through ladders and shit. Oh, and you could tell the crowd went absolutely nuts when he did that. Like they, they were just stunned. Like that. I mean, for us, it's such a nor. Like honestly, like you go to a local indie show and some guy gets power bombed through a ladder. People, are like, hey, yeah, cool. You know, maybe a quick "this is awesome" chant, and then it's over. But like that, they were buzzing for a while. Like, oh my god, look at that! Like, there was a woman who like gasped. Like she did. That, yeah, oh yeah. That scream, that woman scream. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, like a like like a burglar just broke into the house. Like that's those were the kind of noises you heard. When when he when he flew <laughs> right. through the ladder, so it's kind of a it's a novelty for this promo. This isn't big Japan, okay? They haven't seen the you know it, you have fans haven't seen this shit in New Japan. So from that aspect, yeah, it should be. I, I I'm, it'll be it'll look. Kenny Omega's not going to go out there and have a bad ladder match. He's just and, no. and 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 Mike Elgin, like I said, that's a guy with something to prove. So he wants to go out there and have great matches every time. Uh, Nagata. Defending his open weight, uh, never open weight championship against Shibata. We mentioned that a lot. I'm looking forward to it. I believe you are as well. That's just going to be really good. Yeah, we talked about it already. I'm I'm so into this now, and I really wasn't. I was kind of like, all right, it's it's a nice little diversion for for Shibata. You know, he'll beat all three of these guys and move on to whatever it is he's going to do. But I am so I'm I'm super into this now for all the reasons I said before. Uh, and then, of course, the main event, Naito, the champion, the IWGP heavyweight champion, defending against Kazuchika Okada. Uh, too soon for this one too. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I feel like it's a little soon, but I get why they're doing it right away. It's a hot feud. Uh, the chaos losing to Renabilis thing is, is hot right now. So go for it, do it. And I think it's gonna be a spectacular match. So it's hard to really complain, uh, one way or another. What are your thoughts? And then maybe your prediction it, it, Naito retains here. It's a red hot feud, but you also have to fill Osaka Joe Hall. I mean, he, right. <laughs> it's not, you can't yeah, fuck it's... around. And again, this is a company that lost, you know, three of their top stars and Tanahashi's on the shelf. So, and look, I know Tana... They, yeah, what's the alternative? I mean, yeah, honestly, let's think yeah. about it. So Naito's the champion. What's your alternative? Right. What do you go with? To fill that building. I mean, if this was, um, you know, fucking Dantaku or something, maybe you do... Well, they did do a different... They did... <laughs> that was actually a very good example. They did Ishii at Dantaku, right? Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it, it's like... But you need to fill this giant building. This is going to be their... Arguably their second biggest show this year, right? At worst, third. 
with the considering the size of the building and everything else. Mm-hmm. The only other one you could argue is the G1 final just because of the gravity of it. But this they, they have to fill a lot of fucking seats for this thing. You've got a hot feud going. Of course, you've got to go right to the rematch. We talked about this at the beginning of the year because of um, some of the people that have left and things like that. Business has held up pretty well, all things considered, especially when you consider that Tanahashi hasn't really been – uh, full-fledged on in the mix because even when he's around he's been you know letting Okada breathe and and Naito and Naito breathe a little bit in the middle of the card but um you know all things consider you know you, 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 this is the year where they can't fuck around with their big matches when they have their big matches they have to do them because they have to retain uh you know whatever momentum they had since 2012 this is a very key year because if they lost momentum this year, as you know, Rich, sometimes you do not get it back. So you have to – if you have something hot, you got to ride it. This, is a, yeah. this was a critical year. We knew that. We've talked about it on this show every week. you got to ride it if you have something hot when they're in their position. So no, it's absolutely the right move uh, when, when you add all of those factors together. You had to do this match again. As far as who's going to win, I, I – man, I, I can't see an argument for taking it off of Naito yet. I can't. Um, and the heat in that building is going to be awesome, too. I mean, Osaka, of course, they, them and Naito have always had a great relationship or love-hate relationship in a lot of ways. And now it's become kind of a love-to-hate uh, in a lot of ways. But uh, him walking out of there with that title, you know, and, and whatever in whatever way he does, that's going to be a great visual and a great moment. And I think just, yeah, getting that heel heat on him and, and just having him be that kind of guy. I think it's just going to work so well versus him. But, you know, hey, if Okada wins, it's not the end of the world either. But, I, yeah, I it see, seems way I would too have early. To see how, played, I would have to see how it happens. Yeah. I, that's that's the kind of thing where, you know, I, I, I don't think I'd say the sky is falling or anything like that. I wouldn't say it was a massive mistake. But at the same time, I'd still want to see how it played out. I want to see how he wins, uh, what kind of post-match they do with it. I, I, I would need to see how it happens before I would definitively say whether it's a mistake or not. But I think at some point you'd have to end up – you'd have to at some point get it back on Naito though because isn't the dome match in your eyes Okada beating Naito for the title in the yeah. dome? I mean isn't that yeah. the scenario that I think we all expect to see play out? Yeah, I would have this match happen. Naito beat him and then you, they stay away from each other until the, the Tokyo Dome and then that's your third match or whatever and then Okada wins and, and whatever happens after that. But yeah, that, that to me is the moment of, of, of Tokyo Dome versus – yeah, to me it would just seem a little cheap if he won here. Um, it's just, I, I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to wait on that story a little bit. Uh, The one thing I worry about is, is, you know, then it kind of makes G1 predictable because Okada is going to win the G1, but, but is this the year they could have someone else win the G1 and then lose their shot when they do that Mm -hmm. little title defense at, uh, or the briefcase defense. But if they do that, Okada kind of looks weak. It means he loses to Naito twice, doesn't even win the G1 and then sort of backdoors into the domain event by beating Sonata or something. You know, for the case, and that kind of you know, <laughs> that's a hot take there. Say a Sonata went in the G1. <laughs> well, just to go along with the story. <laughs> no, I, I mean, you figure, you know, one of the eight, those boys wins the G1. Can you imagine that? Man, evil would not be happy about that. <laughs> yeah, evil. Yeah? evil wins the G1. But you know. people be less upset. OK, hypothetically, let, let me try to think here. If I'm trying to think of what would make people more upset if Sonata won the G1. Or if I'm trying to think of a Kenny Omega doesn't maybe work, maybe Elgin. What would people be more upset about if Sonata or Elgin won it? Well, Elgin because he's a white guy. Right. <laughs> what okay. We talked about before. <laughs> That's very interesting. But, but I mean, uh, you know, it, it, you know, because I think people really like Sonata though, and they think he has a lot of upward, 
mobility in the company. I think Elgin has upward mobility too, but nobody sees Michael Elgin as like a long-term top guy. Right. You know what I mean? I think people see Sonata as a long-term top guy down the line. And I, and, and I, I still say people are going to be disappointed because I think that's going to come, but I think it's going to come slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, and that's just how New Japan does things. They bring it. Look, you know, look at look at Shibata. You know, there were different circumstances, of course. Uh, but I think they're going to bring him along slowly. I mean, he's he's in a feud with Yoshihashi right now. Yeah, we got a little ways to go so, until we're main event Tokyo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I brought up last year's Dominion card, and it's just it's shocking where this roster is at now and where it was last year, just with the departures, with injuries, and that sort of stuff. Look at I'm going to read off the, the, some of these big matches here. These are the big singles matches. Uh, we had Shibata and Sakuraba as a big match. Really good match, too, this if you remember Dominion? that. Uh, this is Dominion last year, of course, in Osaka Joe Hall. Uh, again, I think they had 11,000 or somewhere around there. Uh, then you had Kushida and Kenny Omega in a junior heavyweight title match, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Makabe versus Ishii. Mm-hmm. So there's one guy that's kind of missing in action for uh, a little bit. Uh, Tanahashi and Toru Yano. Hiroki Goto and Nakamura. Oh, right, right. And then Okada and Styles. Right. So we're talking there. I mean, when, when you take out Tanahashi and you eliminate the Nakamura, the style, and it's just like, it, it's shocking yeah. how many of these guys are. It's just like a year later, it's like a completely different roster, a radically different roster. And that's why I said they're holding up very well. They sold out Invasion Attack. You know what I mean? And tickets are moving very well for this show, from what I understand. So... It's it's they've they've really they've they've held up very well. You know, they just sold out their junior final. Um, you know, Cork and look, they're 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 stacking the Cork and shows. They're they're not putting up those weak Cork and shows that they did last year. So they're doing a little better in Corkin. So and and you look at you know how stacked that sounds last year compared to this year, just in terms of star power. They've held up very well, and I think the the emergence of Naito has uh, a lot to do with that, and that's why. Um, you know, it, it's it's hard to he, he he'd have to be at the top of any argument for uh, uh, for the the award that you love, Rich, the uh, the best drawing power for. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you know, he it's it's all about Naito this year. I mean, he's really yeah. you know, it's it's that's the guy who who has carried uh, he carried Invasion Attack. This this Naito Okada feud is has carried the last two major shows and carried them very well with not nearly as much underneath as they had last year. Absolutely. Uh do you remember what Naito did last year at Dominion? Yeah, you didn't mention him. I didn't. Uh shit. Give me a second. Think about it. Think it over. Well, he doesn't have any there's no singles matches left with the nope. guy. He was probably just he's probably in some shitbag tag match. He wasn't a show. I don't know if a shitbag, but he teamed with uh, Hanma versus Bad Luck Folly and Yujiro. I have no recollection of that whatsoever. <laughs> I don't either, but uh, my, what a year can do for you. <laughs> like the yeah. third match in the top, too. That's our third match in the bottom. Yeah. Rather. He was an uh, absolute yeah. booking afterthought for a long time. Yep. And I think now in hindsight that a lot of that was by design. I think they worked him down the card to sort of just, you know, uh, kind of put people to sleep on him. And then they brought it, knowing he was going to Mexico to try to rework himself, and then just brought him back, you know, with a bang. 
Well, it feels fresh. And I think that's the thing that I look at these two cards. And yes, there's more star power on last year's show. We talk about these guys and Nakamura and, uh, of course, Tanahashi and AJ Styles and that sort of stuff. But I'll take this card. I really, I, I just like, I, I've been really enjoying it. I've been more enthused by New Japan this year than I was last year because it just feels different. And we feel like, and we talk about it all the time, when your back is against the wall, sometimes the best wrestling booking, the best wrestling, the best product comes from that. Because you don't have a choice but to take some risks. You don't have a choice but to build guys. You don't have a choice. There's no safety blanket here you know we always we always talk about new japan would always go to okay well go to nakamura all right there you go we'll do that again you know hey uh tanahashi gets the title you know i mean like it would just be the same thing over and over and over again and it was entertaining and the grit matches were of course great but this one just feels so much more different like that nagata shibata thing just seems so different and new and fun like i talk about this makabe and ishii were in the never open way so how many times do we see that how many times did they just go to those two guys go to makabe go you, you know everything feels a little fresh and different this year in new japan and that's why i've been loving it i i really Really, really enjoyed this year of New Japan. And I'll, I'll take this year's card over last year's any day. They had that second layer of guys that were ready. They had, uh, you know, your Shibatas and your Omegas and your Naitos all laying in the weeds, uh, Goto. And this year, because they've finally been forced to move some of those guys up, it's having the effect that you're talking about now. But those guys were all there and ready. They just, they just, they were very complacent and hesitant to pull the trigger on them. All right, now for the real main event of this entire show, the part everybody was talking about. Joe, before we go on, any New Japan stuff uh, you wanted to get out of the way before we move to the, the Slammiversary preview that everyone's waiting for? No, our, our connection dropped, and I talked for like three minutes <laughs> to nobody in particular. Uh, but That's a problem. You just talk, and then you don't know. You, you don't even listen for me. And then I, you, know, it, it, you know, nobody cares. You, you, you don't care to hear it repeated. No one wants to hear it. We were done, so let's just move on to Slammiversary. <laughs> Oh, really quickly, though, for people that uh, haven't watched the Super Juniors yet, uh, Kelly and Carino, I'll give them the thumbs up. I have not liked their work uh, on a lot of the New Japan uh, English commentary stuff, but this is what they're really good in. I don't know why. I don't know what got into them. This, I don't know if they were enthused by the show. I don't know if they – I don't know what it was, but I thought they were really good all around. I don't know if you listen to English commentary or not, but I, I can definitely give a thumbs up and recommend it. That's a good point. I am glad you brought that up. I, I watched both nights of their commentary, the, the second to last night and the final night, and I actually thought they were Excellent. I'd go as far as to say excellent. They did a really good job. They did a really good job breaking down on the final night all the different – with every match that came into the ring, what the scenarios were for the various wrestlers. You know, I screwed up a couple of them. They thought Bobby Fish was still alive. But for the most part, they did a good job with that. And um, you know, I thought uh, Carino's reaction to some of the things that Osprey did were excellent. And yeah, they did a, the, an excellent job overall. This was the best work I've ever heard those two guys do. Agreed. Better than anything they do in Ring of Honor as well. They seemed so much in their element here, and uh, I don't know what it was. Maybe just being able to being able to do their job, just <laughs> simple, and, and not, it not being a complicated thing. I don't know what it was, but definitely a thumbs up. So if you're saying, hey, I want to get New Japan World, I want to listen to English commentary, is it any good? It is good, and you can definitely listen to it. And I have not done that before. I've never given them uh, the full-on, because I've, I've listened to them halfway through and then go to Japanese uh, pretty quickly after. But this, uh, was the best, this time I stuck with them, and they were good. This was the best English commentary New Japan's ever had. That's not that's not radical at all. That's <laughs> maybe not Moro and uh, and Josh Burnett, uh, New Japan on Access, but yeah, for New Japan World or for a live show, I agree. Yeah, I mean for like these live shows. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. All right, TNA Slammiversary, Joe. Uh, you made sure you know, last week you previewed it. You said we're going to do it. We have to talk about it. We got to preview it, and, and I'm all ready. Uh, I've watched the last three Impacts. Uh, I know you always will watch every episode of Impact, so you're ready to go uh, <laughs> as well. Uh, are you ready? Thoughts on Slammiversary before we get into the uh, the match by match, which we're going to break down intensively 
Uh, yeah, um, I am ready, Rich, and you really did your homework. I can't believe you watched three Impact episodes in a row. I mean, it was it was a lot. I was yeah, expecting was... you maybe to skim the results of the last one, <laughs> but you physically watched. You claim you watched all three of the last episodes. That's crazy. You were tweeting about I, them, though. Yeah, I, I don't know what I was doing or what was wrong with me. I was playing video games, so they were kind of on in the background. But I was there, you know, I was watching them. Yeah. So. Um. All right. The Tribunal. I have no idea how to pronounce their names. I think it's Basil Berica and Baron Dax. Is that is that the Legionnaires? You know them. NXT fame. Uh, versus Grado. <laughs> Grado, I don't know how to pronounce his name either. Or Sh- and the Shira, the, the man of Shira Shuffle fame. Rich, this is embarrassing. You, you well, can't even get through the... Those names are fucking terrible. You, what, how you, are... haven't, you can't get through the first TNA match. Who are these fucking names? You, Look at these damn names. You've butchered... Every you butchered all four names all right. in the first match. Yeah, well, I, I got Eli Drake coming up, and that, that I got I nailed that. Bram, I could do Bram, but what's so, then? Okay, Baron Dax is hard for you to pronounce. I didn't. I didn't get Baron Dax wrong. Uh, uh, Gr- Grado is a big time international star selling out. No, I, well, I, I see people say Grado and Grado. I don't know. I, I hear. I hear both. Mahabali Shira. You can't. You know that's the easy one. Right? Basil Baraka. Is it Basile? I, I, I don't have know. no idea if it's Basile. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> They're with Al Snow, because Al Snow's handpicked team is the Legionnaires for some reason. And, and but, uh, did yeah. you watch the segment where uh, those guys came out to save Al Snow a couple weeks ago on Impact? Yeah. Absolutely no reaction whatsoever. <laughs> Why would they? Nobody knew who they were. This, of course, is Marcus Louis and uh, Sylvester Lefort from NXT non-fame. I would say NXT fame, but a lot of people probably don't even remember them from NXT. Uh, yeah, it wasn't like soon after. You know what I mean? Like there was too much of a time gap for them to like from them appearing here from when they were not on NXT. That like even I did a double take for a second. I was like, oh yeah, duh, like those guys. And then like I, I was racking my brain trying to figure out what the hell were their NXT names. Like I couldn't think of it initially. And then it finally came, and I was like, oh Jesus, like that seems like eternity ago. They were off NXT, were NXT forever, NXT. and they weren't even good when they were there. I mean, I I, I don't see anything in these two guys. Um, you know, Lafort, and I'm not even sure which one he is, Baraka or Dax. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea which one he is, but Sylvester Lafort, you know, people have always felt that he, his future was as a manager and, you know, he had big problems because uh, his ego wouldn't allow him to accept that in NXT at one point. And, um, that's kind of why he disappeared for a while. Um, and you know, and now you, and Louis is the guy, of course, who lost his hair in that awful feud with Enzo Amore. Remember with, uh, <laughs> You know, the old school 80s, like, hair cream feud deal, and, you know, he went bald. That's when you turned your back on uh, Carmella. I turned my back on Carmella very quickly. I I was all about Carmella when they introduced her. Uh, you know, was, in the oh, actually, no, you were into this because it was she was the hairdresser. She was the hairdresser, remember? Right. So you were into this, but it was post this feud where you turned your back on. I was her like, wow, real. she's a hairdresser. She was only uh, She's a greasy Italian hairdresser. She's fucking very sassy. You know, she's exactly what I look for. But then, like after the vignettes, like once she started wrestling, and once it was so obvious that she was just, and still to this point, she's just so cringy in that role. It's like she's playing the role. She's not a natural at all. She's a terrible wrestler. I, I yeah, Carmella stinks. But uh, but yeah, so that- I've been able to confirm that ba- uh, Basile or Basil. I think uh, you've used both today, so I will use both as well. Uh, Baraka, that's Sylvester Lafort, and then Baron Dax is. Marcus Luis. So there you go. There you go. So Baraka's Lafort. Um, yeah, so they got no reaction. I think they were expecting people to recognize him and nobody did. <laughs> um, 
But this is going to be awful. I mean, you know, uh, Grotto's thing is not having, you know, five-star matches. And, uh, you know, Mahabali Shera might be the worst major league pro wrestler going today. I mean, he's just – he's horrendous. So – and the story here is Al Snow is annoyed that people have entered his business through, uh, you know, uh, gut checks and, and, and things of that nature. And he's sort of doing this role as the hard-nosed veteran, uh, you know, wrestling mm-hmm. trainer or whatever. And it's just, uh, look, nobody wants to see Al Snow on TV in, in the year 2016. Uh, nobody cares about the former Legionnaires. Uh, Shira is awful. So this is, you know, easily the match I'm looking forward to the least on the show. And I'm hoping hoping it's just short and and as inoffensive as possible. But there's going to be some cringe moments here. All right. And we'll move on to the TNA King of the Mountain Championship. I know the favorite title of yours, Eli Drake, the new champion who defeated Bram on the last episode of Impact. And when he cashed in his uh, his his title shot, uh, they, they do it again because Bram probably has a rematch clause or something like that. So uh, Drake will defend his title against Bram, King of the Mountain. Uh, Joe, what are your hot takes on Eli Drake versus Bram? I don't understand why the King of the Mountain title exists. <laughs> This was well because it's it started for for Jared because yeah. they needed Jared they needed Jared they needed to give him something to do last year right yes at last year's anniversary yeah and now I guess it's you know. it was you know Jared and, and it's like and now Jared's gone like I look I don't I understand why they have a mid card title I don't have a problem with that what I have a problem with is why does the King of the Mountain title still exist is it's not going to be a King of the Mountain match correct. Uh, just singles match. No, right. So <laughs> it's, it's a match. It's like having a Hell in a Cell championship match, and then it's defended in, in like, like singles match. submission matches or some singles matches. Right. It doesn't make any it's, sense. Like <laughs> they either should have changed the name of the title, or they should yeah. have just said, you know what, uh, Jeff, you keep it, bring it home. You know what I mean? You want it? You 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 you, you go. It's it's your it's your lifetime achievement award, and then just reintroduce the TV title or something. You know what I mean? I don't understand why this title exists. Eli Drake is terrible. I think it's safe to say that now. <laughs> a lot of times, people throw around the word. I like his backstage segments, but he's pretty terrible in the ring. Yeah, right? you know, people throw around the word great. People throw around the word terrible, but he really is terrible. He's so dry <laughs> in the ring. Like I can't even call him a jag because he 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 is a jag by definition. But a jag is average, you know, like a just a guy is you're implying. I don't even think he's average. I think he's so dry that he's not even average. Like, I can't even say he will deliver a two star special here because I think two stars would be an achievement for Eli Drake. He's like he gives you like the one and a quarter star special. And but to be fair, for people who are going to say, oh, you're just pecking on him because he's in TNA. We talk massive shit about him when he was Slate Randall as well. So Yeah, the, the famous show that like this, got This goes back years. Yeah, this goes... Oh, was that a deleted show? Yeah, where we did the whole Slate... Oh! We did we did like a 45-minute bit on Slate Randall. Oh, I remember and, that. And, That's when you you gave the recipe, too. That's the recipe show, wasn't it? No, we... The, recipe, the chicken recipe, no, or is this a different You always one? say that. You always say that. The, <laughs> I the, love them. The, I love both those the shows. The chicken recipe show... That reached the masses, and I'm sure people are enjoying that recipe to this day. The Slate Randall show, where we 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 you know we were I like, don't, I don't know, I don't think it did. Did that it? That one never made the air. We said that he sounds like. I don't think the chicken recipe one did. Always either, say this, but it did. I, don't think it I did. swear to you, it did. The, the chicken recipe that was like six months before, and it made the air. I promise you. <laughs> I don't the know. Slate Randall show 
we compared it. We were like, what kind of name is that? He's like a Flintstones character. Remember? Like, like right. Slate Randall would be like a Flintstone character. And we went on this whole bit about Slate Randall. And look, he stunk on championship wrestling from Hollywood. Like before WWE signed him, he wasn't any good. He was just always boring. He's a guy with a good look who can talk a little bit, but he gets in the ring and he just puts you d- directly to sleep as soon as he starts to wrestle. There's just nothing there between the ropes. And look, I'm not a Bram guy. Some people are Bram guys. Uh, you know, some people like his aggressive style and whatnot. Bram has never done a thing for for me. Bram has always struck me. He was he's one of those TNA guys. Remember, they had about six guys who were all six foot two with big beards and wrestled the same. St- he was like one. He always blended in with the rest of those guys at TNA. Mm-hmm. They had a year, yeah, about last year. There at this point, there was a time when they had like six guys that looked identical. Yeah, to each other. you know, and, and, and Gunner and Bram and Bobby Roode. Like none of those guys have ever done a thing for me. They're all those are Jags. I'll give it to Bram. He's a Jag. Eli Drake isn't even good enough to be a Jag. Think about that for a second. Okay, so yeah, I'm not looking forward to this match. I, 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 I just, just two guys I'm not interested in whatsoever. Uh, Gail Kim versus Maria. It's been a very uh, interesting build here. I love Gail Kim. Uh, Maria in ring, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But uh, I'm kind of, for some odd reason, looking forward to this match. What about you? Maria's not any good. That's the problem. She's a great, yeah. she's a great character, but she's not a very good wrestler at all. Gail Kim is great. Um, you know, I'll watch Gail Kim wrestle any, any, any time I've seen Gail Kim drag decent matches out of very shitty wrestlers before, but this is a, te- but I think this is going to be more of a story than a match. Um, I don't think you're going to see Maria out there trading hammer locks. So, um, I don't know. Is this something I want to see though? No. All right. Move on to the TNA world tag team championship match. The Decay, Abyss, and Crazy Steve, your champions, defending against the Bromans, Robbie E. and Jesse Goddard. The Bromans have gotten back together, Rich. They have. And Robbie E. has wanted this, and Jesse was kind of blowing <laughs> him off in the hallways and the corridors of the impact zone. But uh, he finally got what he wanted, and, and the Bromans are back, and they take on the Decay here. And Rich, I'll tell you what, you ready for a hot take, Rich? Uh-oh. I think we're going to see brand new. TNA World Tag Team. <laughs> no, are you kidding? That's uh, that's my hot take, Rich. Wow. Gonna, Do you think Raquel's going to help them win it? I think Raquel is going to fend off Rosemary or Rosemary, whatever her name is. I believe it's Rosemary. Because it's so. show that we don't follow this promotion on the <laughs> but, uh, but I think Raquel is going to factor in yeah. here. And I think we're going to see new tag team champions. How's, how's that for a hot take? Wow. Jeez, man. I'm not going to put my name to that, though, in case it's wrong. I don't want to be shunned and <laughs> dragged along the street. You're going to be that guy. Or, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I think you're uh, – I don't I, – I'm not a betting man, but if I were, uh, I think you are uh, – It I would feels like the time is right, and I think it will be a big mistake. The time is right. I think it will be a big mistake if they don't change the titles here. I think it's going to be a huge mistake. <laughs> oh, God, why are they at the tag? When, when did they even win those titles? I don't remember that. I watched, like... Ooh, the Decay? Was it recently? The Decay, yeah. Had, when did that happen? for a while. That's what I thought. But like, the, okay. The thing with TNA is it's hard to tell because they tape, <laughs> like, they tape like, four times a year, so... I don't remember when they won. But, when did they win these like, things? Let's see. T- I, gotta, I gotta find it. TV time, they've had them for a while. I it, I don't know, they, they, but it, it just wasn't a recent title. So they've had them since March, but... Yeah, they yeah. they contest. Like they won them in a Valley of Shadows match. Uh, it aired in April, so they won them in March, uh, and it aired in April. Yeah. So 
Depending on like three or two or three months, depending on how you want to measure it. So uh, who they beat? They beat. Uh, uh, they beat. Of course, they beat Beer Money. Now that's why I, th- I, th- I was going to say Rude and Aries, but it was it was Rude and Storm. Yeah, yeah. Aries was long. Storm cashed his Feaster fired a tag team championship contract. Uh, that was taped in January and it aired in March. There so there you go. They're England Loop during the England Loop. They uh. Oh, that's when no beer. That's how beer money won, yeah. and then K won in a Valley of Shadows match. Yes, which we reviewed on this very show. You can go back and listen to the archives uh, for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look for that. Look for that. <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely. Just scroll through those three hours, and, and it'll come up eventually. Because Gar- uh, Gagney doesn't do the timestamps anymore, so you'll find out. <laughs> I'll tell you, Garrett Kidney's gonna be mad at us after this show. All right, next. <laughs> speaking of speaking of Jags, let's talk about the next match. Yeah, Mike Bennett versus Ethan Carter the third. Now, this last week's Impact, the one that I watched, of course, while recording this, I believe Impact is uh, is is taking place. So, um, airing right now, my friend. Right, uh, Mike Bennett was. I am not kidding you. In the first hour, on for forty five minutes of the first hour, Mike on every goddamn segment of this show to the back it was mike bennett into the ring he's there again i'm like what the hell is going like why can i not avoid this guy he's all over the place. he must have been sweating is like, sweating profusely because he was in back and then he was in the ring and then he's on the mic him and ethan carter the, these these two guys were honestly on of the two hours of the show were probably on 70 minutes of the show the miracle gets a lot of airtime rich <laughs> it's unbelievable ethan carter gets a lot of airtime too but ethan carter deserves the airtime Yes, he is one of the more bona fide stars that he, that that brand even has right he, now. So he, he, he and he did not come into the company as a star, and he came into the company, you know, with with a gimmick that a lot of people found questionable. A lot of people liked it right off the bat. It was a little divisive at first, but he owned it and he did a great job with it. And now I think everybody's on Team Ethan Carter. Then he did the turn, and it was a little weird to see him as a babyface. But look, he's starting. He's doing an excellent job as a babyface now too. And, of course, he's got the Evolve thing going on now, um, which is separate. But he's, it's sort of uh, going back to his – he's a better heel. So he mm-hmm. gets to do that and Evolve. But, um, look, I'll be into this because it's Ethan Carter III. I'll be into it because it's one of the mainline stories of the company. But I can't be all in. I can't be fully invested in anything that involves Mike Bennett yeah. because Mike Bennett is just so dry. I, I, it's just I can't get into the guy. It's like peak Mike Bennett. Like, it's just, it's, it's, you know, he, he can't top out even, I don't know. I can never, his entire career. I haven't been able to just get it. I've never gotten it. I've never like, I, and I've asked people, I've been like, okay, legitimately show me something, anything. Like I, I've watched him for years now, years upon years upon year. I've just, I've never seen anything. I've never seen an ounce of anything that says, wow. Yeah. Like he's never, he, I've never, he's never jumped off of the screen and I've said, oh man, I've been wrong about it. nothing ever. No examples ever. That I've ever had and it seems like Mike he Bennett. should be good. He looks great. He looks like he should. He kind of talks like he's good. There's nothing. There's just he's, nothing once the bell he's rings. fairly athletic. You know, he's like, you know, and it's like Eli Drake is like the dollar store Mike Bennett. Imagine being that. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like it's like Mike Bennett is I'll watch a Mike Bennett six hour comp tape. <laughs> What would be on that? <laughs> like, what would realistically be on that? I don't that? think you can get six hours of usable Mike Bennett footage. That's like he doesn't have six hours of stuff that that isn't not terrible. You know, like, but like Eli Drake, like I would watch that a million times before I'd watch like the one hour Eli Drake like comp tape. Like, I can't. I'd sit through six hours of Mike Bennett before I sit through an hour of Eli Drake. 
Like Eli Drake is he's on he's unwatchable. I'm gonna have to check and see if Rudo Reels has the uh, <laughs> Mike Bennett like 2014 to 2016 Mike Bennett comp out there right now that I can like really can snag for 34.99 on Blu-ray or whatever. This is a guy who had a singles match with the best wrestler in the world at the time, and and it was like it was like barely three stars when he wrestled Tanahashi on the first. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like you know, he's just <laughs> he's just a guy. He's Mike Bennett. I gotta check. I'm gonna check the Mike Bennett cage match uh, match guide here. Let's see uh, what they have for you know because they'll they'll pick out some hidden gems here. Let's see Mike Bennett. Let's see what his best matches are. Okay, not a lot to pick from. <laughs> here we go. All yeah, right, Cody Rhodes resume without the tag matches. Yeah. Um... Oh, you know what? No, because the Kingdom did have some decent tag matches in in Ring of Honor. Not not in New Japan, for God's sake. Yeah, here, here's here's the top one is Adam Cole, Matt Taven, Michael Bennett versus AJ Styles and the Bucks. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say the Bucks and AJ were doing uh yeah. and Cole were probably the uh the oh and the two of them. Okay, so the top two also feature AJ Styles and the Young Bucks. Uh there's a 2013, December 2013 Ring of Honor singles match, Kevin Steen versus Mike Bennett. It's got a 7.46. I know the old cage match. Uh, oh, oh! I, 2012, Lance Storm versus Mike Bennett. Remember that whole? I actually thing? do remember that. That was okay. Yeah, that might that would probably top out my list. Um, That's the best Mike Bennett match I've personally ever seen. Yeah, I, okay, I remember liking that one. Uh, and then in 2011, El Generico versus Jay Lethal versus Mike Bennett. I, I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> just. I didn't see it. I didn't. See I can't it comment. The final battle, but I'm, I'm gonna go on a limb. Wait, that was a that. final battle match. Yeah, I, I have no recollection. Which means of it. it probably wasn't that great because I don't remember it. <laughs> I, I've never missed Final Battle. So, yeah, what was that? Yeah, I don't remember that at all. It was for the TV title, Jay Lethal defending his title. I, what I, was that? 2011. That's going back a while. Was that with the was that the Eddie Edwards Eddie Edwards Davy Richards main event? Uh, yes, yeah. Well, I remember that and I like that a lot. But mm-hmm. I don't remember this three-way. What else was on that show? Uh, you had Steen Carino in a no DQ. I remember that one with uh, uh, Jimmy Jacobs as the yeah, referee. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. That was a good one. Um, then you had Haas and Benjamin versus the Briscoes. I remember that. Uh, Hero versus Roderick Strong. Mm, yes, I do I do remember that. Okay, I don't, I don't I don't really remember that one much. And then, yeah, otherwise, uh, Elgin versus Perkins, uh, TJ Perkins. That was and short, if I recall. Versus, that was like six yeah, minutes or something? Mm-hmm. And then Jimmy Ray versus uh, Tommaso Ciampa. I don't remember that. But I, This was Ciampa. This was uh, King, uh, not Kingdom. Uh uh, the Prince Nana group. Why am I blanking on the name? Uh, the Embassy. The Embassy era, uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Don't remember the match, though. So he was feuding with the old Embassy member. Yes. I uh, have no recollection of that. Um, so I remember most of that card. There's only two matches I don't remember, and Mike Bennett was in one of them. So there, there's your Mike Bennett again. Where the hell's Dan Severn? I look down, and there's a picture of Dan Severn. But I, oh, he, oh yeah, he had come the, Eddie Edwards. Right, yeah. yeah we're never brought him in. He was like involved yeah, in the, the Eddie right, Edwards right, right. Teaching Eddie Edwards how to fight because he can't fight. Yeah. About Dan Severn. But yeah, shockingly, Tony Cozina was with uh, Davey Richards. Yes, I know Tony that uh, will stun you that Tony Cozina and uh, Davey Richards were on the same card together. So that's, uh, yeah. that's impressive. Uh, the wheel, the wheel man, Tony Kazina. <laughs> <Right. laughs> Only old time <laughs> listeners remember that one. The wheel man. Tony that's Kizina. a good one. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I, uh, I I always laugh because like anytime Richards is booked, like the opening match, you're like, ah, here comes fucking Tony, and there he is. Yep. Like, there's Tony Kazina <laughs> out in his like his t-shirt and his, his wrestling pants, and it's like, hey, All right, you yeah. you remember who else was involved in that in that heist? Tyler Riley, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And it, and that is where he started to distance himself from. Yes, you said, you know what, uh, Davey? Uh, I'm going to go over here wheel man, yeah. <laughs> Tony Kazina. I'm going to do my own thing from this point forward. Cause he was, I would say that worked out pretty well for old uh, Kyle. Those three guys were like attached at the hip. Mm-hmm. And after that big heist, that that's really was the, the splitting up point of, uh, of that whole, uh, you know, really the three of them. Because Davey kind of did his thing with Eddie after that, you know. And Tony Kazina, well, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I don't know what to say. I mean, you know. So a lot of times, Rich, the wheel man is, is just an innocent bystander who doesn't know what's ha- going on. You know, hey, you wait here. We'll be right back. You know, and then the other two guys jump in the car and they're like, go, go, go. You know, and sometimes you're the wheel man and you just don't you, you don't know what's going on. You know, you, you don't know. You were just sitting in the car. So I'm going to give Tony Kazina the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> oh, man. What was that? I'm trying to look it up. Adrenaline Pro Wrestling. That was the name of the company. Yeah. For people that don't know, it, essentially. Uh, here's it's from WrestlingInc.com. Uh, it says David Rich has released statement on Team Bandit controversy. Uh, David Richards has released a statement in regards to team the Team Bandit incident from last weekend. Richards and Ring of Honor talents Kyle O'Reilly and Tony Kazina reportedly threatened a promoter last Sunday and fled the arena with $250, or $350 moments before a scheduled match. There has also been backlash to a match between Tony Kazina and Ryan Kidd in which Kazina forcibly choked out his 16-year-old opponent for the finish. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. That was a big thing. People could do their own research. That was a big story at the time. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, and a lot of people, I remember our perspective was, man, O'Reilly, you were too good. Don't let this drag you down. Like, like you know, Richard, we, we thought it was kind of scuzzy for Richards, and we kind of were wondering how he was going to react. But we were, I, I remember the exact kind of, you and I were worried about O'Reilly because I was a huge O'Reilly fan at that time. I believe you you were as well. And we were just like, man, this is going to, this is really going to hurt him. Like, I really hope that, because he was a budgeting star. I mean, Richards was already kind of there at that point. Yeah, you know he he was a big time deal on the independence at the time. O'Reilly was just budding, just getting there, and we were like, ah, this is really going to derail him. No one's going to book him anymore. It's going to be a bad lie. And that, to his credit, he has been able to diss himself completely from that. Where a lot of people might not even remember that he was a part of that. People remember Richards and Cozina. I don't know if they remember that O'Reilly was right there. Yeah, too. I mean, yeah, he really. It's it, you almost forget that him and Richards were super tight at that time. All right, let's get back to the slam anniversary. Full metal mayhem. Actually, oh, never mind. I. Check the Twitter machine. We have breaking news, Joe. Oh, oh, a new match official from the Twitter account of David Lagana at Lagana. Um, I must have been made tonight during Impact. Yep, official for Slammiversary. Good because there was only Knockouts. six matches before, and none of them were very <laughs> right. good. So I'm glad enough. Well, I don't know if this is going to change it too much. Knockouts title: Sienna versus Jade. All right, all right. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, Rich. I would put that ahead of. The awful tribunal tag match. Okay. It's gonna I'd put that ahead of Gail Kim Maria. And I'll be completely honest. It may not end up being a better match, but I'm more excited for that than I am Eli Drake and Bram for the King okay. of the Match. So I put that ahead of three of the matches here. That's fair. I'm not gonna put it ahead of my boys, the bromance, and their and their and their big title. And their quest, their, their <laughs> long quest I'm in, for the title. I'm into the bromance and my because I put my neck out on the line. Okay, I put out my neck out on the line and made a hot take prediction that we'd see tag team. Ch- so I'm gonna be into that match. Okay, so I can't put it ahead of that one, but I put it ahead of the other three matches. I, I can I can get into that to Sienna versus Jade. That could be a decent match. Could be a decent match. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know how much time they're gonna get. You know, there's only seven matches on the card, but, uh, you know, they'll probably get six or seven minutes and, uh, you know, maybe they'll make something decent out of it. Full metal mayhem. Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy, Joe, 
what do you think of the, the the broken Matt Hardy saga? I mean, l- let's get serious. Let's get Lance Storm serious for a minute. As goofy as that whole segment was, and as goofy as that character is, I don't know where you stand, Rich, but there's no question it brought more eyeballs on TNA mm-hmm. and brought more awareness to this show. I don't necessarily know, and I don't necessarily think that it will translate into making any kind of business difference. But when it comes to where TNA stands right now in the pecking order and where they're at with things, because they haven't been much lower ever in their history, I think anything that brings them more attention is good. I I think that that even if it doesn't lead to a thousand more pay-per-view buys, which I don't think it will. um, It's another hot take from Joe, but go on. It's still... Look, anything to put more eyes on TNA. People were talking about TNA last week. When was the last time anyone was talking about yeah. TNA? Mm-hmm. And and one more point before I let you give your take on it. We wouldn't be talking about TNA right now if they did. That's the, that's the only reason we're previewing this show. It, it, you know, I, you know. It, number one, it's a slow week, and we had to fill the time. To be completely honest. But the other thing is, I think that angle had a lot to do with with even us doing this breakdown of Slammiversary. Yeah. That angle put attention on Slammiversary that wasn't there before. I, I'm right with you. Yeah, I think, and we talked about it many, many times. We talked about it for the past few years that that Impact, and I think it was about two years ago, where Impact reached this point where it was just, the show wasn't bad, it was fine, but it was just boring. It was, there was no juice, nothing there. You watched it, it was over, you didn't retain anything, nothing different happened. It was, you know, and, and this year they've had some, you know, some highs and lows, mostly lows, but it's been basically, again, it's kind of just been a largely boring product. There hasn't just been a lot of juice for what's going on. Like, it's not like, you know, they've gotten sort of away from their days of being just so horrendously awful at, at, at booking and stuff, where you look at it and go, oh, screw this company, I hate them, or whatever. It's just kind of been, everyone's sort of beaten down by them, and it's like, ah, whatever, you know, I'll watch it if there's nothing else on, I'll watch it to sort of go through, but this one was, yeah, it was silly, it was weird, but it was eye-catching, like, you couldn't help but watch it, you couldn't, I mean, go look, again, we talked about last week with with Osprey and and Ricochet on on YouTube for uh, New Japan, go look at the YouTube views of this, like, it's it's well beyond anything that they have right now, it's, you know, triple digits, well beyond that, when I looked at it a, a few days ago, uh, we had, you know, internally, we had discussions about, we had Gary Kinney. I said, hey, write something about this. People are talking about it. People are interested. And I said, hey, write a little bit of this background, how this sort of happened, how Matt Hardy got into this situation, why he's talking like this, why he looks like this. And he published something. It was the Broken Matt Hardy saga that we posted last week. And it got double the amount of views that his Impact review got. People were interested in that. So people said, ah, you know, the Impact review, yeah, whatever, it's Impact. We posted something that said, hey, here's all about this Matt Hardy saga, and it had a ton of buzz. People were clicking on it, reading it, reacting to it, laughing, going, oh, my God, this is hilarious. Watching the video, we had another breakdown. Somebody decided, hey, Michael Spears, who does almost strictly Dragon Gate stuff, uh, he does the Inside the Dragon Gate uh, uh, podcast, he said, hey, I want to do a breakdown of the you know the TV production of this segment. So we said, hey, yeah, that's cool. He, he did a good job with it. He published it, and that got a ton of views too. Like people were just interested in this. Like we can talk about it from our numbers. We can look at it alone. People were clicking and interested in discussing Matt Hardy and interested in discussing TNA. For better or for worse, it got attention. And you know what? For TNA, that's not bad because they don't usually get a thing. They don't get a peep from anybody. They don't exist. In a lot of people's wrestling landscape, they existed last week, and it was because of this, for better or for worse. But again, yeah, I don't think this was something that was so cripplingly awful that people are going to go, oh, I'm never watching this product again. You know, it bordered on some people laughing, some people, but it to me, it made me kind of interested in the product. It made me interested in Slammiversary because it was just different. 
and impact for the first time in a long time it felt and looked different and that that that's that's important i think that's a definitely important thing for them to do so no i'm i'm right i'm right with you I think this was attention grabbing and, and a great thing for TNA to do. I think this is one of those situations where any publicity is good publicity as long as you get the date right. And that's one of those situations that we're dealing with here. It, it definitely had people talking about TNA, which for them at this stage is very important. Um, and it built to something. It really did build to the match. So that kind of worked in the context, too. Yeah. So I, I don't think it was a... Uh, a good just as strictly as a wrestling angle i don't think it was a good angle i think it was utterly ridiculous and it was completely stupid and it was it was wrestle crap and all of those things um but you know matt hardy who's been drifting in and out of character during this whole time you know one of the times where he was out out of character and getting frustrated at people i think he said something to the effect of the whole point of this brother nero stuff and, and this wacky thing that i'm doing is to get people talking about tna I mean, he flat out said that, and it has gotten people talking about TNA. So from that perspective, I mean, look at it this way. Even if, you know, 800 people watch an illegal stream of Slammiversary this Sunday just to see that match and the ridiculous uh, Matt Hardy haircut and whatever stupid things they're going to do in this Full Metal Mayhem match, you know, what if that leads to, you know, 500 of those people watching Impact the next week? You know what I mean? It's like and, – and these are small, tiny numbers that I'm throwing out, but that's what TNA is dealing with right now. They went from 1.2 million viewers to 300,000 viewers a week. So you know, small numbers are bigger percentages for them than, than they were in the past. So a, every little bit helps them right now. So from that perspective, I thought this angle was a big winner. Mm. Right with you. And then we'll go to the main event of the show. I assume the main event, at least listed as such. Uh, TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Drew Galloway, the champion, defending against Lashley. Uh, the stipulation here is the match must end via knockout or tap out. Okay, now we've, we've reached something that I can really sink my teeth into. Because now that you've watched the last few weeks of Impact, look, we all know Galloway's pretty awesome, right? I think we could all, we could all agree on that. He's done great work in Evolve. Um, he's done great work in TNA that a lot of people just haven't seen. Um, and and but now that you've been watching a little bit, what are your takeaways about Lashley in the build up to this? I, I and I tweeted out last night. I said, man, if this, I, I wish this Lashley right now could go to WWE or go somewhere where I can see him more. I'd see. I think he's awesome. I think he's gotten really, really good. I don't know what you think. I don't know what the consensus is for him, but just watching those last three weeks, just sort of, you know, after being away from TNA for a while and being away from the product and, you know, kind of, it was shocking to see, okay, this guy's got a better presence in the ring. I thought he's being able to kind of get over that monster thing more. He's got more speed. He just seems like he cares a lot more. I don't know why, like right now he decided like, this is the time and this is the company where I'm going to give my full effort. But it just looks like an effort thing from him too, that he looks great. Like the the promos. I mean, yeah, he's always going to have a weird voice, but he's very, he's very quick to it. He doesn't really ramble. He just kind of gets what he wants to get to. And then he gets over it. But I, his in-ring is good. He's just got different presence in the ring. Like, I, I was shocked at how good he's looked. For me, I don't know if you believe the same. I don't know if I'm on a mile and on my own, but I think Lashley's great. Lashley's on the best run of his career, and it really started probably a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, every time I see him, I'm impressed with him. 
He's been doing great things. He's projecting himself so well. I think that's that's the big thing. He's projecting himself as a real threat. And there's a real ferocity in the way that he works. Yeah, speed. Like the speed that he works at too. Like it's a very it's powerful, but it's speedy at the same time. Like those those spears, and they're shooting him very well too. They just look like they're just killing the guy when he's hitting him. Yeah, he's just he's he's great. Yeah, and I think that there is no way that this won't be a very good match at minimum. And I think it has a chance to be a great match. Um, I think this has a chance to be a match where late Sunday night, the people that did watch the show, that did plunk down their money for Slammiversary, or watch it through whatever nefarious means they're going to watch it in, are going to be buzzing about this match. And this is going to be a match on Monday that people are looking for based on on the buzz. That, that, I think it's going to be that kind of match. I think it's going to be the kind of match that everybody's seeking out. Which, when's the last time you said that about TNA? Um, I can't even think of the last time that people said, but, but I think this match has that kind of potential. And I think the stipulation with the knockout or tap out helps the match because I think you're not, it's not going to be a match. It, it, they can't be lazy here in the way they build it. it. It can't have a million near falls or any of that. They can't do that sort of match. This is going to be a violent match. It's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of submissions. There's going to be a lot of uh, big bumps, big spots with the knockout thing. They're going to tease knockout spots. They're going to tease submissions. And I think it fits to the strengths of, of, of both guys involved. And I'm really looking forward to it. And I really think this has a chance. This could be the match. It has a chance to be that TNA match that pops up in our match of the year poll at the end of the year. If it meets mm-hmm. its potential every year, we have like one TNA match that, you know what I mean? That, that, that does a little bit of damage in the poll. I think this has the potential to be that match. So you, in my mind, I, I guess that the knockout thing that might hurt it a little bit in my mind, you think it actually enhances I the, think match, it helps the match. That stipulation. Tell me why you think it hurts it. Um, I guess the tap out is fine, but I always like the idea. I guess you got to get away from the near false thing. Like you said, like that's going to be the problem and that's going to be an issue is that I do like the ideas of, of near falls. I like that sort of concept in a, in a wrestling match and I always enjoy having that, uh, especially with a guy like a Lashley. But, you know, I guess that's kind of cool. It all depends how they work it. If Lashley goes in there and he's of course, we know he's going to go for the knockout. Of course, I, I think that's not well, Lash- wild Lashley, think I think he's going to go for the tap out, right? With being the MMA guy. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. OK. I see what you're saying. So they yeah, can work okay. it that way, too. Yeah. Maybe, see. Do you, are you thinking? I, I always forget about the MMA aspect of Lashley. I don't know why I always do are that. Are you thinking but. the knockout part of the thing could lead to a lot of like um, um, tropey spots where they're just contrived, contrived spots rather with where where, where uh, we're getting long like ten counts with guys laying around. On the that's mat. what I wonder. Yeah, that that's almost my one worry there that you get sort of that last man standing aspect. Mm-hmm. A match, and I hate last man saying. I do think they're so awful. Do I. I don't like them either. So, so I guess it depends on what they're going to constitute as a knockout or whatever, what what they're going to do or how they're going to do that or whatever. Um, yeah, that could maybe annoy me if it's a lot of just sort of a big move standing around nine. Okay, he's up. Okay, big move. Oh, we're standing around eight. He's up. Yeah. That will annoy me a little bit. I hope that they don't do yeah, that. Yeah, Gall- Galloway hits a big move and then stands in the corner while the referee counts the nine and. 
That's my worry, and that's my one concern with having it be this stipulation. But at the same time, like you said, if they're going for the, the tap-outs or whatever, that could be an interesting aspect where Lashley just says, ah, screw it, you know, we'll try to lock him in. That could be fun, but that is my one worry, yeah, like you said, the, the knockout turning into a last-man-standing match uh, where it's just sort of standing around waiting for guys to get up, that I don't enjoy. But, you know, hey, like I said, or like you said, I think it absolutely does have the potential to be a standout match, and, and it could pop up under your match of the year, and I really do think if it lives up to it, it will, because I think there are a lot of eyes on this, and yeah, hey, it's it's a rare TNA pay-per-view, and I know people are going to go out of their way to watch it uh, to an extent because it's like, hey, you, you don't get many of these. <laughs> so you kind of have to have to cherish them when you do get them. So. I really feel like this match can be worth the money, though. And and if anything else delivers on the undercard, it's you got to look at it as a bonus. You know? And and I'm sure one of the other matches will deliver. Um, You know, it could be any one of them. It could be Bennett Carter. I mean, I think that's the one people would point to. Uh, but but I really think that this main event I I I, I don't know you've kind of you've kind of reeled me in you, you got me thinking though with the knockout thing you've kind of yeah I just hate those I had I hadn't looked at it from that perspective yeah you sorry that up. but um so I'm a little worried from that perspective I don't know I I'm gonna back off and say. You can't guarantee it's going to be a very good match. Now you sap the excitement out of me, Rich. Sorry, I apologize. Sorry, Fuck, I didn't mean man. I was all pumped up for this. Now I got that in the back of my head. Now I'm like, you know what? He's right. We could be standing around watching these two guys lay on the mat until there's a nine count as they crawl back to their feet. No one wants to look at that. Sorry. Son of a bitch. Good job, Krejci. Sorry. Well, here, let's play a fun game here. Fun. You got let's, to let's get the now. mood. Let's get the mood funny again. Okay. I want you to play a little game here. What was the last TNA pay-per-view? Oh, my God. Um, oh, wait. I, I know this because I – listen. I review these for the, mm-hmm. the fine publication, Fighting Spirit Magazine, Rich. So I do remember it was in January. Nah. I'm wrong? Yep. What was it? No, there was a January pay-per-view. There wasn't anything between January and now, was there? Is there a January pay-per-view? Let me, let me check. Yeah, they did that. Extensive, I did my extensive research. I don't know. Uh, let's see here. Oh, you're saying it was before January. Oh, uh, no, it was after. Or, or, or no, no, before. Yeah, it was... Let's see. Let's see what they did. Um, no, not that I can see. What did they do in January? I only got one night only in January. I don't know. Are, are you reviewing those? I reviewed a TNA pay-per-view in January. They did a uh, – it was a one night only, but they aired it on pay-per-view as well. Okay. But I think you – the question you're asking is like traditional – yeah, I, do, I don't know. Even the, even Wikipedia does not have a, uh, anything listed before my uh, the one that I was bringing up as TNA pay per view. Well, what's the so. one you're bringing up? I'm gonna I reviewed something in January. And I received payment for it, so that's, that's all right. Well, hey, that works for you. But uh, no, according to Wikipedia up. and Cage Match, uh, the last uh, actual proper TNA pay per view was Blount, uh, Bound for Glory 2015 in October 4th of 2015. Yeesh. Now we're gonna play a fun game of going over the card. All right, God, you want me to tell you what was on that? No, I'm not going to tell you what's on the card. No, no, no. Maybe, maybe I'll have you fill in some gaps here, but I, I mostly just want to like let, let's look. And this is the last time this company was on pay per view, just to give you an idea of how different this entire thing is. X Division Title Ultimate X Match. You had Tigre Uno, Andrew Everett, DJ Z, and Manic. Yes, yes, that was uh, bound to glo- bound for glory, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, just very quickly, Rich. It was. I looked it up. It was. Uh, it was TNA one night only live. Remember from the Sands in Bethlehem, oh, Pennsylvania? Yeah, yeah, and remember yeah. they, they they pumped it out on pay-per-view there. 
Um, it was the TNA oh, God, T- the main event. <laughs> oh dear God. Of what? Bound for Glory? No, of One Night Only Live. Yeah, the main event of the One Night Only Live was uh, the wasn't it the King of the Mountain? That was the, no, no, no. That's Bound for no, that's Glory. Bound for Glory. I'm mixing up the two shows. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I'm I'm looking at. <laughs> oh, it was oh it was. Uh, I hope this is in order. I really hope this is in no, order. No, it was like it was it. Beer Money versus uh, Eric Young and Bram. Yeah, was the main event of the One Night Only Live. Yeah. You you want you want let me do you want me to read the blurb I wrote for fighting <laughs> yeah let's see let's see okay so this was the January one night only live oh because this is when you destroyed Trevor Lee's career this is when Trevor Lee totally melded in I'll read that one too All right, right okay okay so so this is Beer Money Inc. Bobby Roode and James Storm of course versus Bram and Eric Young the main event of TNA one night only now live remember in Jan- this was the television return <laughs> at the time of James Storm and Bobby Roode as a team this was their first appearance even though they appeared. <laughs> in matches before this, but they hadn't aired yet. It was a deal. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to read to you. The main event was the television return of James Storm and Bobby Roode as Beer Money, who officially returned one night prior in a match that would air after the pay per view, who defeated Eric Young and Bram in a dull paint by numbers, heat cutoff comeback style tag bout where they hit their DWI finisher on Bram. The closing sequence with Beer Money hitting all of their signature spots managed to wake up a crowd that was dead for the entire show. <laughs> but this was worked more like a solid mid-card match rather than a hot pay-per-view main event. So that probably tells you all you need to know about the TNA One Night Only Live. That was your main event. They basically worked a basic house show tag team match in the main event of that show. But yeah, this was the show where Trevor Lee... Okay, here's my paragraph on the Trevor Lee match. You ready? Yep. Speaking of lack of effort. <laughs> so, so what was the match prior? Uh, the women's knockout title. Was, was that uh, the one you were? It was, it, was awesome. it was Awesome Kong against Matt. It was Awesome Kong, Madison Rain, Rebel, um, uh, Dionan, uh, who was awful in that match, Jade. It was like a gauntlet match, a gauntlet women's match. Um, anyway, so here's the Trevor Lee paragraph. Speaking of lack of effort, Trevor Lee, who normally works very hard, treated this show as a night off, working a lethargic (laughs) match against fellow non-TNA contracted talent Pepper Parks. Lee won with a fisherman's buster in a bout where neither man looked very interested in doing much of anything other than mailing it in. So there you go. That was the So don't don't go out of your way to watch TNA one and only live, apparently. It was the worst Trevor Lee match I've ever seen. He just didn't That's... care. I think he took one or two bumps the entire match. Um uh Grado, the poor guy, he fell into thumbtacks, or was it a bit? I don't remember who. No, yeah, it was yeah, Grado I mean, they... fell into the thumbtacks on that show. Like I, very ill advised on his part, falling into the thumbtacks on, on that piece of crap show. Um, you know, uh Lashley beat Tyrus, I think. Let me see. Yeah, I close I close out of the window. I didn't have much to say. Here's what I had to say about that belt. In the semi-main event, Lashley won a slow-paced, lethargic, but hard-hitting slugfest against Tyrus, putting away the big man with a spear. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> That's it. That's all. That's it. They, they got one. It was hard-hitting, and da, 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 here's like one move. They got, right. they got one sentence. To be fair, it's the end of the review. I might have been out of words. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, that was the TNA One Night Only Live. But... We're not going to count that one because that was kind of like a, uh, I don't know, they kind of shoehorned in that pay-per-view. So what do you got for this Bound for Glory? So that, Bound for Glory The only thing I remember is is Jeff Jarrett winning the King of the Mountain title. Uh, you know what? No, that is not this show. We not. will go to that one. We're going to play another game in a little bit. Okay. 
for that show. This is not that show. I thought it was. This is Bound for Glory 2015. As I mentioned, Tigre Uno, Andrew Everett, DJZ, and Manic for the X Division title. Here's your Bound for the Gold uh, Gauntlet Battle Royal. You have Tyrus defeating Abyss, Aiden O'Shea, Al Snow, Chris Melendez, D'Angelo Gennaro, Eli Drake, Jesse Goddard, Malabali, Shira, Mr. Anderson, Robbie E., and Tommy Dreamer. Was there anyone on the roster not in that match? <laughs> Shockingly, I wish, which is funny. I don't remember the show, but it says commentary by Josh Matthews and D'Angelo De Niro, and he's also in this match, apparently. Yeah, I remember now. I, did he like go back to the booth, or no, what did they do? they did the gimmick. You know the Royal Rumble gimmick where... Like, oh, where they just like get up, and they're like, oh, I'm going to be in this thing. And okay, they get thrown out immediately. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, TNA World Tag Team Titles, the Wolves, Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards, defeated Brian Myers and Trevor Lee. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> which which provided a bit of an opening for our show. Yes. There, so that's TNA King of the Mountain title match. Bobby Roode defeated Lashley. Don't remember. TNA Women's Knockout title. Gail Kim, the champion, defending against Awesome Kong. That was Awesome Kong with her bad back during this entire yeah. run. Not so awesome. <laughs> Not so awesome yeah. at all. No DQ. Kurt Angle defeating Eric Young. That was decent, if I recall. Yeah, I remember that being that okay. That was decent. I'm going to pull up my review while you're talking. Okay, and then the TNA World Heavyweight title three-way with special referee Jeff Hardy. If you remember that, he was like the conflicted guest referee or whatever. Yes. Uh, Matt Hardy defeated EC3, uh, who was the champion, and Drew Galloway to win the title. That was like he was under... Uh, he, he didn't. He, there was something hanging over his head. I don't recall exactly what it was, but something like that where Jeff didn't want to count for Matt, if I remember correctly, and had to or... Something like that. I don't remember what the hell. Yeah, that this was the culmination of the big tournament that they did, mm-hmm. um, which I actually put over as being pretty clever for the situation that they were in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that being a pretty. I good called one. it overall a good show, dragged down by a bad atmosphere. Uh, let's see. The I called it an exciting Ultimate X match. Oh, okay. Um, it was in what may have been the best match on the show. Bobby Roode retained the TNA King of the Mountain title, pinning Lashley following a Roode bomb. So I like that match, even though I don't remember it now. Uh, Gail Kim defeated Awesome Kong to keep, keep her TNA knockout title. Kong appears to be at the end of the line physically, but Kim worked very hard to carry the match. At one point, Kim's husband, Robert Irvine, got involved by leaning over the railing to yank a chair away from Kong. Uh, but that ended up backfiring as newly inducted TNA Hall of Fame referee Earl Hebner. <laughs> ended up arguing with Irvine, allowing Kong to deliver an implant to Kim on a pile of chairs, leading to a count-out tease. Uh, Eric Young defeated uh, – Kurt Angle defeated Eric Young in a brutal but confusing no-DQ match. Young delivered a pile driver and viciously attacked Angle's neck, leading to a doctor stopping the match. I remember this now. Young attacked the doctor and the referee without explanation, and the match continued. So Young could have just won it there, you know, like they're taking the angle out of there, you know. But then Angle made the comeback, locked on the ankle lock. Young made the ropes, but with the DQ stipulation, Angle was under no obligation to release the hold, and Young was forced to tap. So there was some psychology problems there. So, yeah, the show, uh, I don't know. According to my review, it wasn't that bad, but the crowd didn't give a shit about anything. All right, now we're going to play our last game here. Last year's Slammiversary. Yes. As you mentioned, the main event, uh, the King of the Mountain match, Jeff Jarrett with Karen Jarrett, of course, uh, defeated Matt Hardy, Eric Young, Drew Galloway, and Bobby Roode in that main event. Very famous main event. Famous moment in TNA history. I, that match I do remember, actually. Yeah. yeah. All right. Opener. 
Three-way elimination match, X Division Championship, Tigre Uno, the champion, defending against Manic and DJZ. Nothing out of the ordinary there. This is the match that broke your heart. Robbie E defeating Jesse Goddard. The bromance explode there. Yes. Now we get into the part where it's very interesting because it's like, oh yeah, I forgot. Bram defeated Matt Morgan in a street Matt fight. Matt Morgan was around at that time. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Forgot about Matt Morgan until I saw that name earlier and I was like, oh yeah, Matt Morgan. Yeah, that was... Austin Aries defeated Davey Richards. The winner gets to pick the stipulation for match five, the TNA World Tag Team Championship at Bell to Bell. I don't know what that is, but what was Bell to Bell? I don't know. Well, Austin Aries was able to choose the stipulation, so that works there. Three on two handicap match. Awesome Kong and Brooke defeated the Dollhouse. Taryn Terrell, Jade, and Marty Bell. Playtime is over. Dana Brooks stole that catchphrase. Mm-hmm. And Terrence Earl's probably not happy about it, but if is she still doing those YouTube videos I don't, about God? Oh, she, well, I, I, I wasn't even aware. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You didn't oh. know that? And she made some videos. Uh, she retired from wrestling, and she's all about God now. So good for Terrence Earl. Uh James Storm defeated Magnus in a non-sanctioned match that got 17 minutes in the middle of their show. But uh, Ethan Carter III and Tyrus defeated Lashley and Mr. Anderson. And as you mentioned, the King of the Mountain Championship match. Jarrett, Matt Hardy, Eric Young, Galloway, Rude. So, uh, very interesting <laughs> to follow this company over the past year. Really just kind of lost people. Really didn't add anybody, but I think I would take this year's card over last year's. Agree? E- no. Kind of I a dumpster would, fire last year. No. Oh, you were all about the King of the Mountain. Uh, and also the, the Aries-Davy Richards match. Okay. Um, you got the X-Division match, which was probably just fine. Um, the bromance exploding. Uh, yeah, I would take, I think last year's lineup looks better. Okay. I mean, the Austin Aries, Davey Richards alone, combined with the main event, which was all right. It's hard to say because one show already happened. You know what I mean? Like 